You can now relive the best moments of the UEFA Champions League 24-7. The UEFA Champions League channel is a new 24-hour streaming channel serving non-stop goals, highlights, and full match replays from the world's most prestigious club competition. Reminisce on your favorite moments, legendary players, and brilliant goals with the UEFA Champions League channel streaming around the clock on Pluto TV and the CBS Sports app. State of Combat with the Brian Campbell. This is the Professional Wrestling Edition. And as you can hear off the top, those dulcet tones of BC are not with us today. It is the Silver King, Adam Silverstein. Some will call me the King of All Silvers, leading the ship here for the State of Combat. Don't worry, folks, for those that get you know all bunched up here when BC is not at the top of the show. He will be back next week and through the end of 2019 Sometimes the combat sports world gets a little bit too busy for the Brian Campbell covering MMA, boxing, and the world of professional wrestling, and occasionally he needs an episode off. But that's why the Silver King is here, as I said, to steer the ship that is the state of combat, taking you through the worlds of WWE, NXT, AEW, NWA, New Japan Pro Wrestling, and whatever the hell else is going on. Hey, KSI wants to be a professional wrestler. Maybe we're going to talk about that today. I don't know. But joining me on the show... Outback Jack, Black Jack. I like Black Jack better than all the other nicknames, actually. Jack Crosby, welcome to the show, Jack. I, I was a big Black Jack Mulligan fan back in my day. My grandfather used to tell me story. I'm okay with Black Jack. I'm okay I with think Barry that's the best of Papa. The, I honestly think that's the best of uh, the three. I'm, I'm a huge Barry Wyndham fan, one of my all-time favorites. I, if you want to name me after his father, please, by all means. Black Jack Crosby, the man of many name changes here in 2019, not just wrestling nicknames but actually last name changes as well that's another story for another day jack uh so we haven't done an episode of this show in about i'd say 10 days 11 days we obviously decided to push uh the wrestling show to thursday this week there's a big uh fight coming up this weekend obviously between uh who we got ortiz and uh no 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 andy oh, ruiz sorry the... and Re- ortiz and ruiz are screw- <laughs> yeah, they're screwing it's... me up because the fights were so close andy so ruiz close. Defending his world heavyweight championships against Anthony Joshua in Saudi Arabia. It's not blooded money in the sand, technically, but it kind of no, is. No, but it for anyone is. out there, even if you're not a boxing fan, I urge you, the vet, it's, WWE was able to slide into Saudi Arabian venues that had already existed. For this particular boxing match, they custom built a, an entire venue for this one fight. I urge you to look it up online. They built this thing in six weeks with that money. And I mean, it's gorgeous. I'll give them that. But well, it's not just the money. It's the labor. And, you know, you, you've seen those stories insane. about the Oli- you've seen those stories about the Olympics and, and Qatar and how that all works out. So, uh, yeah, we're <laughs> not not too big of a fan of what's going on over there. But uh, nevertheless, Brian has a fantastic show previewing the Joshua Ruiz fight. Uh, came out Tuesday this week. State of Combat. That's on your feed. Be sure to download it. We will have instant analysis coming I guess it's early Saturday evening, actually, it will be, from Joshua Ruiz this weekend. 
Huge weekend, of course. You can follow uh, Jack and I and the rest of our college football team at CBSSports.com. Huge championship week. CBS Sports HQ will be live all weekend covering the college football playoff. We have the big fight on Saturday and the finals of the Hero World Challenge on Saturday, which is another sport that Jack and I are responsible for here. Uh, golf and Tiger Woods. Do not, do not forget Alberto Del Rio. Yes, Alberto Del Rio and Tito Ortiz in a fight no one asked for, but yet we're getting anyway. But the, what's weird about that, Jack, <laughs> is the titles are on the line. And actually, yeah, let yeah. me let me amend that statement. The belts are on the line. It's not a word that you hear the Silver King use a lot. They're physical belts. The WWE Spinner Championship for Del Rio and Tito Ortiz was the heavyweight title for UFC. Light heavyweight. Light heavyweight title for UFC are physically on the line in the match. The winner of a real MMA match will get the other's belt from their prior careers. Um, Do you have any analysis for this fight? I have, I mean, you know, BC and I, we have individual bonus interviews up on State of Combat. I actually talked to Tito and he talked to Alberto. Uh, Alberto's going to get smoked. Of course (laughs) he is. Tito's going to ruin him. It's called Combate America. Is that correct? Yeah, Combate Americas. Uh, it's, a, it's a Mexican MMA promotion. They do rather well in their own region there. I mean, they're, they're still up and coming, but they're taking the Bellator route of just putting these names on the marquee to draw any sort of interest they can. Yeah, I, uh, I am a casual MMA fan, as you guys know from the pod, especially big main event UFC fights I'm down for. Uh, they ain't drawn me for this. And I, I know Alberto. I mean, you guys know I don't like him either, but... Uh, there's there's zero interest. Zero point zero. Let me try to find it. What do we got here? Block at zero. That's the wrong one. Zero point. Right zero. near the beach. Boy. That's just an uh, you know finger messed up right there. But zero point zero interest for me on that, Jack. I have a lot of interest though about the world of professional wrestling. And while this may be in this Campbell podcast, he ain't here. So the Silver King is going to take you into the main event. So it's been a strange 10, 11 days of pro wrestling, Jack, because, you know, candidly, while a lot has happened, and certainly with AEW and NXT, things are are pretty wild right now where there's plenty of interesting storylines and topics, I could not legitimately find a main event topic for this week, something that really stood out to me as the overarching theme that we needed to discuss on this show. And then right before we kind of got started, I was chatting with you and spitballing some ideas and it kind of came to me. And it's the continued, I guess, really the beginning of for Seth Rollins and the continued for Roman Reigns, the rehabilitation of two of WWE's biggest stars. Maybe they're two biggest stars, not counting Becky Lynch. Um, I think it's interesting because we saw Seth Rollins Tuesday night on backstage for those that watched And you really should. It's a good show. We'll talk about backstage more later. And he was asked point blank by Renee Young, who's great as the host, and had a great conversation with Booker T about, you know, when did things start turning for you? Not so much his character, face versus heel, but the crowd turning against him. And it took them a decent while. Maybe Seth didn't want to say it, or maybe he didn't think he should say it, but it took them a while to come to the actual answer which was the Fiend match at Hell in a Cell, how poorly booked it was, and how that was the catalyst for Rollins going from getting lightly booed from a small faction of the fans who like Will Ospreay and you know were angry at him over that whole stuff that was going on, or maybe think he's a little bit of a dork, which is tough to argue against, uh, to actually booing him because of his booking. 
And what WWE has done, we've seen it over the last three years, uh, maybe four, but definitely three, is they booked Roman Reigns into a no-win situation with Brock Lesnar. And while we hope they learn from that lesson uh, with what happened with Reigns, obviously real life, and him having to get stripped of the title, and, and we're seeing how he's being rebuilt now, and we will talk about Reigns in a bit, we thought they learned that lesson, and then they went ahead and kind of did the same thing with Seth Rollins. And we've discussed it ad nauseum on the podcast, but putting him in a match with a guy who should not lose um, and then figuring out a way to send the fans home not happy, making basically actively making them angry at the finish of Hell in a Cell. And Rollins has been very 50-50 John Cena-esque, Roman Reigns-esque, cheered and booed ever since then. What I think is interesting is that WWE over the last two weeks on Raw, has done a very admirable job, in my opinion, Jack, of trying to rehab this Seth Rollins character. And we don't know whether what direction they're going. Are they doing this to give him an edge but keep him face? Are they actually going to fully turn him heel where when the crowd turns against someone, that is actually the move. It's what WWE used to do back in the day. You don't like this guy? All right, we're going to turn him heel so you can actually boo him the way you want to. I don't know exactly what direction they're going, but what I appreciate is that it seems their booking has taken a turn based on fan reaction, and it's not something that we always get. What do you think of what they've done with Rollins over the last couple of weeks with Kevin Owens and with AOP? I like them dangling the suspense in front of us simply because we're in that period now between Survivor Series and WrestleMania season where it can get boring really quick. And I think this is a very, very good way of keeping your interest through the month of December and into Royal Rumble season in January. Is Seth going to turn? Is he not? I have a confession to make. Monday, I got real concerned, but not so much concerned because I think it, it wouldn't have made me that angry. But, you know, like you said with Roman, like the WWE has a tendency of when they see that they have a top guy on their hands, the top baby face, no matter what the reactions are, they will just keep pushing it, pushing this guy as a top baby face. Right, right. When Samoa Joe came out for commentary, there was part of my brain that said, oh, crap, they're going to reveal that Joe is with the Authors of Pain like people had called for in the past, not Seth, and that's going to be the swerve. Now, granted, the very next night on backstage, we got some clarification on that. But at the time, when Joe was just brought out to commentary, I thought this show was going to go off the air with a beatdown and Joe getting up from that table and saying, ha ha, I'm with this, th these guys, which would have made sense also as that thumb heals, him being the orchestrator, but behind the two monsters instead of Seth. But it didn't turn out that way. So now we still have this suspense of, is Seth with the Authors of Pain? Which, like I said, is a great, great time killer during this usual dead period. And it's not just a dead period. It's a dead period where, again, because of WWE's own booking, their champion is not on the show for two months. Exactly. That's a, that creates another problem. And, you, you, and again, the U.S. title becomes a de facto top title. But at the same time, you're not inserting Seth into that picture. So you're keeping him on his own. And like I keep saying in the raw recaps on on the website is that, you know, at for right now, like Kevin Owens is the perfect baby face to go against this because everyone loves KO. The fans are split on Seth and his attitude and WWE's doing a really good job of projecting how people view Seth in reality onto television. 
Yeah. You know, that, that's Ke- Kevin called him an insufferable prick. And that's how people view him. That's what's most impressive to me. It's there are things that sometimes we get worked by just as fans and by, by doing analysis on this. Oh, my. I can't believe they're doing this with this person. What are they doing? And then they turn or or they pay it off. And we're like, oh, that's what they were doing the whole time. Right. In this case, that's not what they were doing. They, they did not book Hell in a Cell purposely to get Seth booed the way they did for him to then go on social media and turn off fans the way they did. So this booking is clearly a reaction to real life. They are clearly yeah. taking the Seth Rollins, you know, dork slash trying to stand up for myself, but kind of failing because I'm getting too aggressive on social media and it's not really working out for me. Character to the, and, and obviously as, as I said last week, Meltzer's erroneous report about his rah-rah speech uh, coming out of Blood Money in the Sand 4 to now be that he gives a rah-rah speech, yeah. you know, that doesn't work. Uh, you know, Randy Orton walks away, Charlotte walks away, et cetera. And now a week later, just like in real life, he comes to, with the Will Ospreay thing, he comes to apologize and say, hey, I was getting worked up. I was kind of taken out of context there. That's not really what I meant to say. Here, I'm trying to come from a good place. And it's really nice of a parallel between real life and the kayfabe world of wrestling. And because of that, a Seth Rollins character that was candidly getting boring, even before the Wyatt thing, the, yeah. the over-reliance on Burn It Down, the same way they over-rely on Big Dog with Roman Reigns. Um, they, they started making Seth Rollins too much of a cartoon when, when he was actually getting over. It was because he was electrifying in the ring. He was running the gauntlet match. He was doing things in the absence of there being a champion in Brock Lesnar that made you want to tune in to watch him. He no longer became someone I wanted to watch on TV by nature of WWE's booking. Now, I actually want to tune into Raw to see what Seth Rollins does next week. On Tuesday night on that backstage show, I was going to watch it anyway because I really liked that show. But I was really curious. What is Rollins, this character and person, because that does break kayfabe, that show, going to say to Paige, to Booker, to Renee? Is he going to say anything to CM Punk, even though we kind of know that is... Maybe not as real as we thought it was, but we'll get to that. We can talk about that. Um, so I really am enjoying what they're doing with Rollins and his character. It's giving him new life. You could simultaneously see him staying face and teaming with Owens and just that it's a short angle that they ran, or you can see him turning heel and leading the AOP. Both are plausible. And because of that, they have me hooked. I think they're timing this perfect for a fresh heel Seth Rollins leading into WrestleMania which is perfect because, you know, in the grand scheme of things, and this is just my opinion, belief, whatever you want to call it. Like I said, you know, they have the history with not turning their top baby faces, no matter what. Right. However, despite there being two main shows, I still think Vince McMahon still views it as he just needs top guy. And that top guy is Roman. Everyone else can be tinkered with. Even Seth. Roman Reigns is the top face of this company, despite him being tied down to one show. So that leaves them the luxury to do what they're doing with Seth right now. I mean, Roman's always going to be Roman. They're not going to pull back on Roman. I also think that Kevin Owens being so over and Vince liking helps as well. And Vince liking Kevin Owens and knowing knowing that he can trust him as a face, both on the mic, outside of the ring and, and the raw environment, knowing he can do media, knowing he can do all those things. 
it does provide that comfort where they can say, you know what, if we need to turn Seth heel for five months and then turn him back face, we can do that. But while what you're saying is true, Roman is the only really guy who it seems is mm-hmm. untouchable right now. And really, I can see anyone else in the company, Becky, you know, obviously I could see her being a heel easily. Um, the mistake remains that, and we'll get to Reigns in a second. Reigns, when they had the opportunity, would have been a massively great heel. You would have. Now they are doing a very good job rehabilitating Reigns. That's going to be the second part of this. And they shouldn't turn him heel because things are actually really working finally with Roman Reigns. Like they finally figured out what to do with this guy. But there was a significant period of time where the fans wanted him to be heel. There was a significant period of time where the fans wanted and begged for John Cena to to be heel. They had so many opportunities. And what WWE and what Vince McMahon forgot with with these guys, and The Rock is a perfect example, is when you turn them heel and you turn them back face, they're over even bigger than they were before. And that, I hope, is the lesson that he's understanding here with Seth Rollins, where if you do turn him heel now, it's going to work because he's a great heel. When you turn him back face, you're going to get that Seth Rollins that you were hoping to have at this moment in time that you yourself ruined with your own booking. And um, I do think it's going to happen. And, and again, still just two weeks into this, really. I like the idea of Seth Seth having muscles. I, I really love it, especially AOP, because the, the underrated thing of this is AOP is in a position where they should have been all along. Right. And then on the back burner, and, and, and another thing I like about this, and they might prove me wrong because, again, we are only two weeks in. But keep them away from the Viking Raiders as long as you possibly can. Have the Viking Raiders do their thing. Although, let's tone down the squash matches and get some actual yeah. tet. But keep them away from each other for as long as you can. Because that's a, AOP, if you keep them on their trajectory they're on, you keep Viking Raiders going. That's a WrestleMania match. That's one of the top matches we're looking forward to come April, without question. It would be incredible, and you could honestly probably even do a triple threat with the Street Profits and have the athleticism and and almost and recreate almost a NXT tag team that triple threat that I'm that I'm talking about vibe where you had the War Raiders. I think it was DIY, right, and and someone else. Um, it, it it was or no, sorry, it was AOP DIY. And another team that I'm forgetting right now for some reason, but I can't remember either. But you know what I'm talking about. That match was I do know what in, you're that match about. was insane, uh, and and you can do that again in a WrestleMania format. But we'll see what they're going to do. Um, you know, AOP. I think they've done a great job uh, having them come out in that. I don't know if it was an escalator or a, a navigator, or what it was, but that all black car stepping out, speaking in Albanian, and I forgot what the other languages, um, being just total badasses. It's it's refreshing, and I think really, and we'll talk about it momentarily, but out, there's only one thing I think Paul Heyman is doing wrong on Raw. Everything else really seems to be clicking for me, including the stuff with Kevin Owens. Um, well, before we get to Reigns, uh, I want to talk about it a little bit. You had the Owens and Lana kind of verbal you know, confrontation. That was hilarious. I, I, I don't know what's happening. I, I don't know if they are purposely having Lana be this terrible on the mic or if there are plans for her to say certain things and she gets flustered in the moment, but she's really bad. You, you know, what's you know, what's weird, really bad. Uh, it's a, you know, what st- stood out to me. It's like, it's like they did a, not a, you can't call it a one eighty, but they, they took a detour 
from this just being an infidelity angle to a narcissist angle with Lana. Well, I think it was always it was like they switched directions. I think it was always her narcissism that I, caused her to be to be a cheater, basically, for her to say, I'm what's important, not what you want, Rusev, because remember, he wanted the kid. He wanted sex all the time. Um, and, and then it's she now she has the arrangements to keep him away from her. The restraining orders is what I was looking for. No, but it, it was it was. a Yes, it was. It was an element of it. Yeah, because like any infidelity, there's usually selfishness involved. Absolutely. But it turned into the primary focus. And it, it was like, it, it, well, the, I think the, I the honestly, prime. I think Jack, it's because she confused it with her, with her promos because she was saying you're obsessed with sex and you want a kid. But now I'm, she uses pregnancy to tease him, to attack him again. And she's like, well, Bobby doesn't just want me for sex. Then why are you with him? It, it, she, her promos have convoluted this storyline more than I think the actual storyline is meant to be convoluted. Like, yes, Paul Heyman is doing something here that is adult and certainly, you know, uh, requires a, a larger story to be told, which in essence of WWE is going to make it confusing and convoluted because they struggle telling long-term storylines. But I think Lana's specific promo work has made it more confusing. I think she gets lost out there. You know what didn't help on Monday now that you bring it up? And I noticed this. and it's It stood out to me a little bit. Is that... She, Yes, she's been good when you give her a mic and she starts spouting off, you know, the the elements of the storyline. Right, right. When it came time to go back and forth with someone like KO, she, she looked shook. She got totally flushed. She looked shook yeah. because Kevin is so so good. I think I think they probably said to him, "Hey, make this real, like it's a real argument." And she got, she and just she got, she did not know rattled. what to do. So I, I, my issue with it is not the storyline. I the last two or three weeks of this storyline have legitimately entertained me. This week. Entertainment. Oh, yeah, yeah. Rusev is freaking over. It this is the goal. The goal of the entire thing is to get Rusev the, the crowd reaction that he got during Rusev Day, and it is 100 percent working, and you yeah. have to give them credit for it. But the Lana Mike portion of it is really bad. The only thing other thing I want to say about it is this. So I think people criticized a little bit too heavily um the storyline of there, there being a restraining order and them arresting Bobby Lashley. Instead of Rusev, I think what a lot of people forget is that most restraining orders, or at least a lot of restraining orders in situations like this are civil and police have discretion in many states to determine whether someone in violation of a restraining order should be arrested. So that part of it was okay for me, where they decided not to worry about Rusev. They said on mic, and I, I loved the fact that they had a mic there with a reporter, a backstage reporter to capture the interaction. It felt real. And that's what we want. We want it to feel real, right? So I loved that. I love the cops saying, hey, we're WWE fans. We know what this is all about. Screw you, Lana. Yeah. Like, like, we're not going to arrest Rusev. What I thought was strange, and I don't think people picked up on it, and maybe it's me being nitpicky, okay, is the guy goes, in Tennessee, we don't do things like that here and then arrest Bobby instead of Rusev. To me, it had a connotation that was beyond, hey, we're just WWE you're, fans. And I know for a fact they did not mean it that way. You're not the only one, Adam. Okay, no, but no, I, saw, I, saw no, I saw no one else say that. But this is not New York. It was not California. It was in South Florida. Yeah. It was Tennessee. It's bad luck. And I just think it was completely unintentional, but it really got me. Now, that said... The arrest was awesome. Lana getting arrested was awesome. I thought that was a home run of a segment. See, this is why they don't go to Nashville. See, if you go to Knoxville, 
Mayor Glenn Jacobs will make sure this does not happen. Right. He will be there to step in. That's why no more Nashville, Knoxville <laughs> only. So Mayor Kane can step in and make sure this nonsense does not take place. 24-7 champion Glenn Jacobs you're talking about. <laughs> uh, so also, before we move off Rollins completely, and we, I do want to talk about Reigns as well, the WWE backstage appearance, talk about home runs. I thought that is as candid of an interview as I've heard with Seth, and we've had Seth on this show. He, he was not a very – the first time was not a very great interview. The second time was far better. Um, I liked how open they were. I liked the fact that he answered the questions provided, as I said, about Hell in a Cell and some of his character struggles. I thought it was great that he kind of, it wasn't a shout out, but he mentioned Will Ospreay's name and didn't yeah. hide from his Twitter beef. Uh, and, and I don't really know that we're going to talk about it in, in greater detail, but did, do you agree with me? Do you think that uh, those types of interviews on that show, we're going to talk about backstage later for other reasons, but do you think those types of interviews on, on that show are necessary and valuable? I think they can be, and I think when you, you can strike while the iron is hot with especially something like someone like Seth here, like we just talked about, like he's the most, he's really right now the most intriguing character in WWE for better or worse. So if you could strike while the iron is hot and get him on that show and tell him, hey, you know, you got to blur the lines here with this question. Don't blur the lines with this question. But for the most part, you know, let's stay on the side of reality. Because I, I, I mean, one of the things that I like the most that they asked about and to your point about where fans started to sour on him when they asked about uh, bringing the relationship with Becky to exactly. television. Great point. Because that that definitely that hurt him, especially in the, in the minds of a lot of fans, because it, it came out across as WWE trying to get the babyface rub off of his girlfriend, who then became his fiance, but trying to get the rub off of her. And especially smart fans don't like that when WWE tries to make it obvious like that. And to, to his credit, to say that he didn't really want to do it, like, he didn't think it was a good idea, and ultimately it wasn't a good idea, and he was happy they just scrapped it afterwards, even though he liked the Extreme Rules match so much. But yeah, when when you can when you have a hot-button topic that you could touch on in a setting like backstage, do it. I think you, that's a really good point you brought up about the Becky Lynch thing, because it was very true. And when we talk about the degrading of Seth Rollins' character, that's something I missed earlier. It That was really the start of it. And it, yeah. it was, they did the same thing with Roman Reigns. They tried to have The Rock give him the, the point. They had Cena give him the point. They had him beat yeah. this person and that person. And, that, and ta they had him tag with Rollins. They had him tag with this person. Also that Roman could be in the ring getting cheers despite the fans actually cheering for the moment or the other person and not Reigns. And that's kind of what happened with Becky. They were starting to sour on Seth a little bit because of WWE's booking, because of the burn it down and, and the, the corniness of it. They tried to rehab him a little bit with that. Eh, didn't really work. But what really soured fans what was the one thing they didn't mention was a three month feud with Baron Corbin that should have been over after one month or maybe two if you want to do the mixed tag. But instead, they kept extending it and extending it. Becky and Lacey, same thing. Lacey did not get over because it was three months of the same thing. Once you beat yeah. someone, you kind of want to move on and we can move on uh, to talking about Roman Reigns. So when we're talking about the rehabilitation of Rollins. And it's kind of just getting started, and it may include a heel turn. As you said earlier, WWE and Vince McMahon have no desire to do that with Roman Reigns. Just none. No. They still see Big Dog as Big Dog. That's what they want, um, and they're going to keep it that way. So what they have done successfully, and this is something I kind of said, I'm trying to remember when it was, I think coming out of Mania, really, or when he came back, actually, uh, from his 
um, illness, uh, his his leukemia, which he is is cleared up certainly um, for for the best possible you know circumstance. Um, but now that Reigns is back, they could have screwed this up. They could have pushed him to the title. They could have pushed him into feuds with big names and have him beat every single one with a Superman punch in a spear and move on and try to glom some you know, good positive fan reaction by putting him with this face or that face that actually gets cheers. But what they're actually doing with Roman Reigns is not that. They're having him take occasional losses. They're putting him in storyline feuds where, yes, they screwed up the stuff with Daniel Bryan, which was supposed to pay off, you know, at SummerSlam, but they didn't know what to do with it. But they made it so that they didn't win all those matches, that Reigns took beatings. Uh, They have him in a Survivor Series match and a build to Survivor Series where it's not the Superman punch in a spear that wins matches. It's a Superman punch that sets up the 450, you know, from Ali or allows Chad Gable to get over. They have done a really good job having Roman Reigns get cheered while not being the focus, the main event focus, the main storyline focus of their shows. There's a reason why you have Reigns opening the show with Corbin and you have Bray Wyatt and Daniel Bryan closing the show. And it's not what they used to do on Raw. What they used to do on Raw is they would have the main event, the the title feud, open the show or be in the middle part of the show and have a throwaway Roman Reigns match against Dolph Ziggler in the main event because it's Roman Reigns and he needs to be in the main event. So they're treating Roman like their top star while not forcing him down the fans' throats, Jack. And I think it is such refreshing booking And I got to be honest, even though it's still corny with the big dog stuff, and we'll talk about Corbin, he's getting over, and it's freaking working. And and I have two points about Roman that I would like to get across here. Number one, yes, I agree. What they're doing with Roman slowly but surely is fantastic, and it's working. Now, to piggyback off of AEW world champion Chris Jericho, I still wish, just like in the past, they would just let him be more of himself. Of course. I have talked to Joseph Anouai, the person, before. He has busted my balls about college football. He is one of the nicest, greatest dudes I have ever met in my life. Let him be that person on camera. Please. Stop giving him the notes. Just let him be him. And he also has an attitude sometimes. Not an attitude in a negative way where he's an asshole or anything, but more where... You ask him a question and it, it hits him the wrong way and he'll give you a real answer like a human being. And the second point though, because I've seen it in our mentions and I've seen it plastered all over Twitter. I need fans to understand something, please. Okay. Yes. They've taken a step back from Romer, which is great. Now I have seen people counterpoint with, yeah, but it's going to really suck when he's the one that stops the fiend. I have news for you people. <laughs> Roman Reigns stopping the fiend is the only thing that makes sense. Of course. (laughs) Because what is Bray Wyatt doing right now? What is his whole shtick? He is going through his past, and he's picking them off one by one. You know what you did, Seth. You know what you did, Brian. Anyone but you, Roman. What was the catchphrase? Yep. This is all leading to Roman Reigns, but that is not a bad thing. You people want storytelling? You cry and you moan about... They don't tell stories. The perfect story here is Roman Reigns going through the waters and him saying, okay, I've had enough of you. You're done. And, and potentially Roman Reigns, the ca- this corny character that we are getting tired of, despite the fact that he is getting over and that's good, 
getting a, maybe a little bit of an edge to him. He just snapped on Friday night, you know, at Bobby Roode, uh, you know, talking about his family, right? Yeah. So you had Roode, Ziggler, and you have Corbin, this triumvirate, which, listen, I'm getting sick of Corbin and Corbin having two people and Corbin having 30 minutes at the top of the show. But you can't tell me that Roman Reigns absolutely losing his crap at the end of that segment did not pay off the entire thing because it, it did. It was, it was, hold on, let me finish. It was great. And, right. and the, you're, you're a hundred percent right. Cause I want to give you credit. The anything but you Roman is clearly where they're going. And whether it takes Roman winning the Royal Rumble or hopefully they keep the Royal Rumble winner for Raw and they allow this to be a more natural storyline where Fiend maybe even calls out Roman, um, or Roman interrupts the Fiend's beatdown of Daniel Bryan or something happens where you naturally progress to this Fiend Roman Reigns match. And you allow the fiend to get inside Roman's head and and alter him in some way where his character then has depth. And you go into WrestleMania, and I say this on the podcast all the time. You guys know my mantra here. Predictable is not bad. Not as long as it's booked well. And there's an opportunity for this to be booked well. And to double back on what you said, Jack, as well, it's basically what I said coming out of Survivor Series, which is, guys and girls that listen to this pod and are WWE fans and wrestling fans, NXT fans too, and AEW fans. This goes for everybody. They are never, ever going to book the product 100% the way you want them to. If you can get 75% out of any of these companies of what you have in your head or something that would ideally happen the way you want it to, that is a home run. When we criticize WWE, it's not because they give us 75%. It's because they give us 10 or 25 or they give us these terrible builds to these meaningless pay-per-views that we don't care about. But you can't come out of an event like Survivor Series and say, man, that was a great show. But A, B, and C didn't happen the exact way I wanted them to and therefore I'm going to criticize WWE. If you want to criticize the individual moments, you can. We do that on the show. That's That's why we're here. It's why you listen to us. But you can't just say that, hey, everything is not perfect. And therefore, it sucks. No, things are not perfect in life. Things are not perfect on Game of Thrones. Game of Thrones gave us, I don't don't know the exact number, but let's call it six amazing seasons of television. And the seventh season was garbage. It doesn't make seasons one through six bad all of a sudden. It means, hey, there were some bright spots in that final season. But yeah, it was really bad. And let's criticize it. On the prior seasons, they were mostly good. But if you were analyzing them like you like we analyze professional wrestling, you're going to find a couple of those moments where you're like, I don't get why in the Red Wedding X, Y, and Z happened when they could have just done this. I mean, that, that's what we're doing here. We're, we're analyzing written entertainment, and you're never going to get it 100% your way. Sorry, Jeff. And, Go ahead. And also, no, 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 that, that, because that was just a point. Of, because I, I love wrestling fans, and I love the fans of the show. I love all you guys. I really do. But I have also seen some of you guys – Say, oh, well, what a downer it's going to be when Roman takes him out. But then you are also the same folks who say, oh, WWE can't tell stories anymore when something like that could turn out to be one of the better long-term stories this company has told in the past five to ten years. That's like as as Bray picks up now. Also, like we're saying the past and forget the throwaway Starcade show. But like we've had Seth, you know, I know what you did. You uh, Brian, I, you know, you know what you did. We still have Braun Strowman on SmackDown, who was a member of Bray's past. You could do a program with him. Like, you have all of these elements that he works through until it finally leads to Roman Reigns. 
I just don't understand for the life of me how anyone could just take a giant crap on that. It's because they it's either I, I actually I do know why. I'm sorry. Yes, I do know why. Because it's it's easy to fall back on the well they're given the spot to Roman. It is. It, it's it's very easy to fall back on the criticizing WWE because of Roman Reigns or because it's WWE, and it, it's something that I think leads to a lot of unfair criticism. It's it's like look, uh, we're not going to dive into the the Saudi Arabia plane situation again, but everyone was so quick to blame WWE without any proof. Without you know, I'm not saying that they weren't to blame. I'm not taking sides or. I mean, we already had our conversation on what I do believe and what I don't believe on that. But everyone immediately wanted to blame WWE because they hate the Saudi Arabia thing, as do I. But they immediately wanted to say, yeah, something nefarious was here because it's wrestling, because it's WWE and because it's Vince McMahon. So it has to be bad. He had to screw over his talent because he can never be anything good to them. Meanwhile, by the way, most of them love him. But that's another story for another day. So so I, I feel the same way with the Roman Reigns thing. It's like. People are so quick to want to hate on stuff. But if you actually look at WWE proper as a whole over the last four weeks, for some individual aspects, eight weeks, two months, they are telling long-term stories. They are telling them on both shows, um, and they go back a decent ways. Some of them, they're picking up stories that they stop telling and are making them into long-term stories. There's something with the Kabuki Warriors going on that is a longer-term story. They're doing it with Becky and Charlotte and Sasha and Bailey, and they're doing it with Rain certainly, and with Rollins, it seems like they've adjusted course, but they're doing something with him. Daniel Bryan, theoretically, this storyline with him not knowing who he is goes back to the Roman Reigns feud, which was SummerSlam. So that's going back to August now. We're in December. So let's not totally, you know, crap on WWE when there's individual little things we don't like, because as Jack said... The majority of things right now are headed in the right direction, and we love Raw, and SmackDown isn't maybe all the way there. But SmackDown 2, on Friday night, I found it two hours of enjoyable television. Uh, I, I, I mean, it was, it was all right. It's just... It wasn't as know. good. I, I, it wasn't I think as good. for me personally... Yeah, because I watch so much, it's just been... I don't know. I, it, let me put it this it, way. It, let me put it this way. Uh, it was not the best show of the week last week. But I did not feel bad about myself for watching it as I had a couple weeks prior. That's a good, like, yeah, like, it, that's how we have to judge SmackDown now. When you go, when you're done at 10 p.m., when you, do you hate yourself when you look in the mirror or not? Or when you DVR, like, right, if you're out that night and you DVR, hey, I got to watch SmackDown that, before I go yeah, to sleep. That, you know, is it worthwhile for you to do that? And for me, it was worthwhile on, on Friday. It was it, it it wasn't terrible. Like I said, the Roman stuff the Roman stuff was interesting. The Brian the Brian Fiend stuff to close the show. I loved watching everyone just get riled the hell up because they thought Liv Morgan was going to show up in that funhouse, and I I, I I don't understand you people. It, again, it's again it's like oh that sucked because it wasn't because Liv Morgan didn't show up. A she's on Raw. B I know, that's the B, thing. B just because like someone came up with the idea and it's a good idea doesn't mean them not doing it is bad. Like, like what they did was really good. And we're going to talk about uh, Wyatt and Brian on the other side of our ad break. Not, not come. Oh out. yeah. Because I want to talk about, oh, we're going to talk. We're going to talk about everything. Uh, before we get to that, two things. I actually think last week, not this week, last week, we're going back to, I thought raw was the best show of the week over NXT and over AEW. Yeah. That, yeah. It was that... literally number one last week. Yeah. I, I, you know what? I could actually agree with that and over the both. I mean, yeah, NXT and AEW because of the Thanksgiving thing. It really, it, it they was, were not good was, shows last week. It, it was, was odd. You know, 
But which I mean, you know, you can see they're playing in these shows around holidays. I mean, hell, we'll talk about it later. Just look at like sure. NXT and AEW last night what they're setting up for the future. Yeah. So, and we will, uh, and we will, so, yeah. And I'm going to ask you that same question about this week's shows because I think Raw actually has a case for again being the best show of the week. But NXT and AEW were both fantastic, at least in my opinion, they were. Before we get off Raw, um, just wanted to say really two quick things. One shout out to Samoa Joe. I don't know what their plans are. Uh, I mentioned it last week where I was like, hey, I really think they should keep Samoa Joe in this role and have him do the Jerry King Lawler back like in the 90s when he was feuding with Bret Hart. He was a wrestler. He was also on commentary, so on and so forth. Um, I I don't know if they can do that with Joe because I'm not sure really if they're equipped from a storytelling perspective to simultaneously keep him on desk, have him say the right things, even though I trust Joe to say the right things because he's perfect, um, and have him wrestle and have meaningful storylines also i still want joe to be wwe champion one day and if they put him on commentary semi full-time that kind of probably takes that out of the bag but i do want to say shout out to him he is great on commentary i feel so guilty because i'm such a big samoa joe fan in the ring and i still believe he's gonna hold one of those top i am not letting go of that belief i'm with you i feel but like i said i feel so guilty because i'm like i'm watching raw and i'm can he just stay on commentary? How do we do this? Because he's so good. And I wish I could credit the Twitter user too. I mean, I saw a joke on Twitter that had me just die and laugh. And you brought up Lawler. They said, can WWE give Joe the Lawler deal where he does commentary for the company, but he's allowed to take indie shots on the weekends. Yeah. I said that. No, it was a joke. Adam. I know. I it know. It was I a joke. What I would it, lo- but it but if, like thinking of Joe being able to cut up with GCW or somebody else on a Saturday or a Sunday is great. What if Joe did commentary on Raw, but he wrestled on SmackDown? Yeah, I would. That would be okay with me because that is such a great loophole. Such, that Two is separate, such a great they said, loophole. They said with Lesnar, you sign a contract. They had to get, you know, they had to change Wyatt for whatever reason. But they 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 gave us the idea of that contracts exist that yes, that are that are, that are brand specific. So you say, hey, we're transition on on backstage. You break news, hey, we're transitioning Joe to a raw commentary contract. Then the Friday, three days later, four days later, you have him come out on Fox on SmackDown and wrestle. And he says, I signed a SmackDown wrestling contract. If he's up for the travel schedule, if he wants to do that, I, and, if, and, and I'm, sh- I'm not sure, but I'd be, there's, a, there's a good possibility that if that were to be the case, they'd give him a bump in pay. Of course. They, they, they'd sweeten the deal. They'd sweeten the pot a little bit for him. No, because I, I'm all for loopholes like that. Like, I, I don't like when you do this brand split stuff and it's dumb. Like, I, I was even in favor of the theory that said, what if The Fiend wrestled on Raw, but Bray Wyatt was on SmackDown? I said, I kind of like that. Like that's an interesting little loophole they could go with. Yeah. I mean, they did, but I was okay. I was okay with it. Again, if you no, I, if you book it, idea, if, like if you book it okay, then it works. Like if you like, I know the twenty four seven title is a raw thing, and USA wants that. It was their idea. But if you want to put re- certain wrestler on SmackDown for a little bit, have them win the twenty four seven title, and then explain on TV it's a multi brand title, and they show up on SmackDown, and something happens, and they get in a feud with that title. And they retain it, and then they go back to Raw. You can do that. The wild card rule just convoluted everything. But you can cre- – the women's tag team titles. Right now, they're doing a Raw you know, situation. But the Kabuki Warriors will easily, I hope and I expect, them to go to SmackDown to face Bliss and Cross again. Like, that is there for them to do. So now you have new women on that brand. You can put Becky and Charlotte in different feuds on Raw. So 
it's all working out for me. That, but the Samoa Joe thing, you can storyline, you can tell that via storyline. I really just laid it out. Hey, I know there's WWE people that listen to the show just because I've been told. Take that to your your leader, okay? I think it's a good idea with Samoa Joe. I don't say that much. Do something with Samoa Joe. Uh, other thing, I just wanted to kind of give Paul Heyman a little bit of praise for the continued builds of McIntyre, Black, Andrade, Buddy Murphy, and Eric Rowan, to my surprise, which I don't really care about Eric Rowan, but the angle at least kind of has me interested. Like, I do kind of want to know what's in the cage because I'm ready to be let down, but at the same time, it could be hysterical. So I'm not sure what, what direction they're going to go with it. But he has found a way to create storylines for these characters without them being in major storylines, which is what WWE used to do best and what WCW did very well as well. During that feud, they found reasons to get their big stars on TV. And I have huge long-term hope for those guys. The The mid card right now on raw is just plain and simple. Awesome. Yeah, it is awesome. When you when you can because raw for so long the WWE main roster for so long if it wasn't a world title picture you didn't give a crap none whatsoever absolutely now though I'm looking I'm looking forward to uh, is Ricochet going to challenge for the U.S. title as much as I'm looking forward to who's going to challenge Brock Lesnar and Umberto Carrillo's involved he didn't get his match is he going to get it back. Randy Orton is feuding with Styles, but he also has an issue with McIntyre. And he's on Ricochet's side, but you know he's going to turn on Ricochet eventually. So there's all those machinations there. Um, You have Rey Mysterio with the U.S. title. It's like, who's going to challenge for that? While you have Styles, who kind of wants a rematch. So they're mid-card on Raw. And and we said this during, we said this after the draft. Raw is stacked. And SmackDown really isn't. And we're going to talk about what is happening with SmackDown later in the show. But... Raw is a monster roster. And again, it's pretty it's pretty clear, too. We're talking about the mid-card, which they're all talented guys. And you never know who can break out at which point. But just like anything else in wrestling, you could always pinpoint who's at the top of the food chain. And it's clear that Aleister Black is the guy being positioned yeah, yeah. for something massive in 2020. He's going to have a great feud with Buddy Murphy. Like, oh, you can't be. If anyone's not excited about that. Stop watching wrestling. Uh, I, Just stop. I, I stop cannot, watching I cannot freaking wait for that. But it, it is clear that Aleister Black is being handled with so much care by Heyman and his team that in 2020, you don't want to say he's going to be I the WWE champion. I, I think he's going to be champion. There's a very good chance he's going to be the WWE yeah. champion. Uh, like I said, I mean, anything can happen. We said Royal Rumble. I thought he was the perfect guy to take out the feed. Storyline-wise, I thought he he's the perfect guy. It would have been. But it's clear he's being, but at the same time, it doesn't take shine away from everything else that's happening on the mid card, which when you have a three hour show, three damn hours, you need a solid mid to card. You can't fail in that department. But it's also time to start having these guys. And look, there's nothing against Akira Tozawa and some of the guys that that these, Eric Young and some of the matches they're having, but it is time to have them not necessarily start beating each other, but start winning matches that matter. I would love to see Aleister Black beat Carrillo. Because Creo can take a loss. There's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. Uh, Ricochet, they, they kind of unfortunately have him get beat all the time. Put him in the ring with Andrade. Have them tear the house down and have Zelina Vega interfere at the end and have Ricochet lose. And, it's, time, and, it's time for them to start getting meaningful wins. And this also has long-term effects, too, because, I, I again, I, I talked before about the, the, the complaints that fans have. Their, their instinct to jump at the slightest thing that they feel wronged about is that I know right now. 
Aleister Black is obviously going to come out of this feud victor- with Buddy Murphy victorious. People are going to complain they're burying Buddy Murphy. Buddy Murphy is going to continue to go on that. There's nothing. And when Aleister Black is this top star next year and they could revisit the Buddy Murphy thing, it's going to it's going to all be worth it. There is no burying going on here. It's OK for Buddy Murphy to lose this feud to Aleister Black as a heel right now. And then when Black is a top, top guy, like no one complained in the past about The Rock losing feuds to Austin over the Intercontinental right. Championship. Right. It didn't hurt Dwayne. There's no harm in big names losing. And it is something that, they, that it seems that WWE is the one thing that they really aren't getting past the clean loss. Although Charlotte, but we'll talk about that later. Yeah. Um, they need to have people start losing. It's okay. We're not going to think that they're buried or they're not good anymore because especially your biggest stars. When we think people get buried, it's like when you have Aleister Black do a feud for three months and he beats a lot of nobodies, but then he faces someone good and loses. It's, yeah. Even though that's not actually what buried means, fans go, oh my God, they're burying Aleister Black. They, didn't, they can't have him win a big match. But you can have Roman Reigns and Becky and Charlotte and all these people that are established. Randy Orton. You can have them lose and it will affect them Zero. Block at zero. Zero. Okay, Jack, we have a lot of show left, but you know what we got to do. Quick word from our friends and sponsors. All right, Jack, back from the break here. I do want to get off of WWE proper, but before we do, we really need to talk SmackDown and the continuation of the Bray Wyatt-Daniel Bryan feud. A lot happened um, over the last week, two weeks. There is the new title that Wyatt has shown on Firefly Funhouse, which is basically a larger version of his face. And if you want to buy a replica of that title, you can go to wweshop.com and spend $64.99. That's not $64.99. That's $6,499. And probably 99 cents also. Uh, that's available. You have the rap kind of music video with Bray <laughs> Wyatt uh, and Huskus. The pig talking about reptilians and conspiracy theories, which apparently, by the way, is stuff that he actually believes in real life. That's another story. You had the Miz's promo uh, with Daniel Bryan, which was kind of corny, but at the same point kind of inserted the storyline for everyone who wasn't picking it up that the fiend changes people, everyone he goes against. And Daniel Bryan kind of saying, yeah, good. I need to change. Like, Like, I'm glad that's happening. And then you have at the end of the show, what we thought we weren't sure what the new face of the Firefly Funhouse was going to be, but it turns out the new face is more literal and it's Daniel Bryan seemingly getting all the hair pulled out of his head. And we're guessing probably possibly shaving his head and going back to that American dragon type of look uh, from back in the day. So Jack, a lot is happening uh, with Bray Wyatt and Daniel Bryan. I'm finding it extremely entertaining. Uh, I was a little concerned that they were going to go to a rematch so quickly after Wyatt beat him and and we don't do rematches anymore, but they are giving me every reason to buy into the rematch. Well, yeah, I mean, first off, you know, we talk about it all the time. Uh, every week, it seems like when you, when you're, you have someone like Daniel Bryan, you get a lot of leeway. Like you're with someone like Bryan, you're okay to go back to a rematch so quickly that you necessarily didn't think you would enjoy, but he'll make it enjoyable one way or another. Like he'll, he'll make you tune in. Um, I love the swerve. Because the entire week, the new face of the Firefly Funhouse, Bray had us all jazzed up. Oh, who is, you know, the Liv Morgan? Who is this? And it turned out to not be an actual, but yet it was still a new face. I thought it was just going to be, he, by the way, I thought it was going to be like a goat puppet. That's kind of where I was. Also, earlier in the night, which also made sense, people said, oh, it's the title. 
Right. All right. The title is the new face. And then they waited till the end of the show to say, no, you idiots. Here's the new face. Like, and again, Bray Wyatt has a lot of creative control over this character, which is a smart move by Vin. Like if you're going to, if you're going to cough up any sort of that creative control to anyone, it's Bray and yeah. let him, because there's no doubt. I love Vince McMahon. He's not coming up with most of this stuff. There's, there's no way in hell he or any one of his writers are coming up with a lot of this. It's Bray and Bray's just getting the green light. Um, I'm, I'm excited uh, nostalgia for any other fans out there who watch Brian and ring of honor. I'm ready for the return of clean shave and bald Daniel. Yeah. It's just going to suck. Cause when he was in ring of honor and FIP, that was a heel stick he did when he was bald and clean shaven. And then when he had the beard and the hair, he was a baby face. That's how he used to work his character on well, the he, indies. He did it in, I mean, he did it in WWE too. When he was with AJ and stuff, he was clean shaven and you know, no, I mean he was ROH and FIP. No, I know. I've seen. Like, no, I've seen the pictures. I'm just. I'm just saying. Even in WWE, usually when it when everything grows out. Now, now his new Daniel Bryan is an exception. But yeah. well, the problem with WWE was the beard and stuff became so marketable. It did. Yeah. Financially, he yeah. Did, he, he didn't have the leeway to do that. But but uh, early but early in his WWE career, he still kind of was like that. But this was a this was a nice nice twist to keep you intrigued because we know that like. Wyatt and Brian need really Wyatt needed another month with Brian because again we're in this dead period so to speak between Survivor Series and WrestleMania season and it just like it's almost like Wyatt got lucky that he has someone to work with like Brian because they're gonna milk this every single week it's gonna be one of the top stories in the company and they're gonna get one more good match out of it on December 15th and then we'll all move on from there. Well, I, I do think there is some legitimacy to the reports that last month's feud was supposed to be with Miz and this month's feud was supposed to be with Brian. Yeah, I and, said that a few a few weeks with the, the yeah, advertisements. Yeah, and and I think that is why, you know, to my chagrin on occasion, Miz has been thrust into this storyline. I understand there's some device reasons that it's worked. It, largely for me, I think it's unnecessary because – you have two of the best mic workers in the company already. You don't need a third who's also yep. great, but not actually wrestling. Um, and it doesn't seem like it's going to save Brian, you know, if he's getting pummeled. So then what's the point? He, Miz could have run out at the end of the show, but didn't because he's scared of the fiend despite being a man and a wrestler. But um, so I think what happened was they started telling the Brian story last month when they had planned to tell the Miz story. And now they're, either expanding or they're going to the second half that they were going to play out or, or they were going to the, the main Daniel Bryan storyline, basically. So they took something that was going to be four weeks and they made it seven and it's working. And I'm, and for that reason, I'm okay. Sometimes creatively you can, ha you can have all the best plans, best laid plans that you want. Someone gets hurt. A direction has to change for a certain reason and you go with it. And if you're telling me I get two months of fiend uh, Brian instead of a month of Miz and then Brian, I mean, that's better. I like The Miz, totally fine. But, uh, you know, Wyatt, as it is, despite him being a great character, despite him being a transcendent talent, in the ring, he's not necessarily great. And as The Fiend, he certainly isn't because The Fiend only requires certain moves. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, there's, and he's going to take a lot of a beating. So matches are going to be slow. So I certainly didn't need Fiend-Miz in a, in a feud with one or more matches. That would have flopped. Yeah, it wouldn't have been good. So I think this was a good decision overall, and SmackDown, as I said, especially the final segment, totally entertained me. Uh, Jack, let's move off of 
WWE proper, because we're not going to call it main roster anymore because there are three, and go to the Wednesday Night Wars. And I don't have a, a song for this yet, but I'm thinking war, what is it good for? Absolutely nothing. Maybe I'll get that clip for future weeks. Uh, there's a lot to talk about. NXT and AEW. I think there's actually more to talk about AEW. As such, I want to kind of go through NXT, not get it out of the way because it was awesome, but knock some of these headlines off. For me, top headline NXT, correct me if I'm wrong, the emergence of Keith Lee. We've seen it back-to-back weeks. Uh, last week, I mean, coming out of Survivor Series, clearly, you know, uh, pinning Rollins and then fighting tooth and nail with Reigns before losing to Reigns. Um, last week, the spot with Adam Cole, ejecting him into the crowd, freaking insane. This week, uh, not just the moment with Finn Balor, which I sent out a gif of on uh, – uh, a gif of, I guess, whatever, however you like to say it, on Twitter, the the rising uh, moment when, when he rose on the ring apron and, and surprised, <laughs> surprised Balor with the choke. I thought that was great. But then hitting the damn jackhammer on NXT champion Adam Cole, one, two, three, in the middle of the ring. Uh, you know, when Keith Lee first got signed by WWE, you did this to two people with me, Matt Riddle and Keith Lee. When Keith Lee got signed, uh, you said, hey, wow, that's a big signing. I said, oh, is it really? Because it's just a... The name Keith Lee, if you don't actually look the guy up, you're like, oh, it sounds like a boring-ass dude. Like, you know, Keith Lee, that name sucks. But then when you look up Keith Lee and you realize, oh, crap, this is a 360-pound former Texas A&M defensive tackle who does moonsaults and corkscrew planches and stuff, and you're like, what the hell is going on? Uh, but I, I started watching Keith Lee matches when they first signed him. And I said, oh, my God, there's a chance that this is my new favorite wrestler. And nothing since then has turned me otherwise. This guy is everything you could want. They are doing a fantastic job pushing him. I know it took a while. They had some other storylines going. Um, I know Vince is salivating over him. I have no doubt that the 2020 draft uh, after WrestleMania, if they do it then or or shortly thereafter, he's going to be on Raw or SmackDown because he has to be. Because Keith Lee has to be on one of those main huge shows. But Jack... I don't know if they're planning to put the NXT title on him, if he's going to win this number one contendership match, but I kind of hope they do. Nope. I would give, I would give him the match. You have the luxury of undisputed era. I know. Be able to, you have the luxury, but you're going to do it. But, do but it. Give, him, but, give him his match. He's but earned. you're going head to head with AEW on the 18th as a go home show, final show of the year, both promoting huge shows. Do you want your world title match to be an undisputed era interference? I think you're okay with that. I think you're okay with that because you just, Keith, don't, no, don't give him the title. Don't give him the title. What about at Portland? Then take him off TV for a little bit. What about February at Portland? No. Okay. What I would like to see, I know, I, I, and I don't do this, folks. Trust me, I don't. I don't do this. I'm not one of these people. I usually hate these people. In Houston, Roman Reigns is standing in that Royal Rumble all by himself as number 30 comes out. And it's Keith. He dumps Roman. Okay. And Keith Lee, for the first time since people begin, you don't get the predictable Royal Rumble. You get the surprise, and the surprise wins it. But is he challenging? Is he challenging? There is a good, because what I love about that idea and why I think it works in my head as opposed to what I usually trash people for fantasy booking is that, you had that moment at Survivor Series, and the people that weren't familiar with Keith Lee fell in love with this Absolutely, man. right. But you took him away for a little bit. It may be, maybe they didn't go to Wednesday nights. 
maybe they're like, man, remember that guy? Remember that Keith Lee guy? Now he comes back and says, all right, Roman, time for the revenge. Dumps him out of the rumble. What if they do that exact booking, but Roman dumps him out of the ring? I mean, they could, you know what? That wouldn't necessarily be a bad thing, but uh, okay, it would but a lot of that's what I'm saying. That, that's a, a lot of, that's what WWE but would. No, you but, have Keith because what I think because I, I I would get the arguments too that well you can't just have this new guy come in and challenge for the world title. All right, this is also a 35 year old man with a football background. Not going to be around for he's thirty five. Like yeah. I love Keith, love him to death. He's also thirty five years old. And his it's not that he won't be around. His move set won't be around. His he's going to have to bot, just like Mark, just like just like Mark Henry and and Mark certainly did not do the things that Keith Look, Lee does. But a man of that size needs to and, and Big Show too. They need to, to uh, hone in their move set as they get older. They just have to. And and again, despite despite his. The praise he rightfully gets for working with the little guys, the still, still, the argument with Brock Lesnar is no one believable that could beat him. Put Keith Lee next to Brock. Yeah, he can beat him. Put him with the you would believe, and it, those fans would really get into it. Like, oh man, this guy from NXT is going to kick Brock Lesnar's ass and take that title. This is amazing. I think the pop for Keith in Houston would be huge because I, I, I love the, the Royal Rumble fantasy booking would do it every year, and WWE for the past what five six years. Been predictable. Yeah, right. even when we get new winners like Nakamura and Oscar when we were in Philly, that was good though. It was predict. It was good, but it was pretty like people for years have been clamoring for. We just want a surprise winner, like someone to just boom out of nowhere and win the thing. They want that edge moment, right? Right. They want the edge moment, right? Keith, I think set they well. He it's a combination of he and WWE and what they did with at Survivor Series. They set him up to succeed in a position like that. To be the dream booking that we all clamor for come to life, finally, at the Royal Rumble. The question is, though, with having three brands, couldn't you? And I know Houston is Texas, and I I understand that, and him, him being from Texas. But maybe that is something you put off a year, because you still do need stars on this NXT brand. Maybe you give him the NXT championship. He has a run with it. Not necessarily December 18th. I'm just kind of, you know, having fun. Um, But potentially at Portland or potentially at the WrestleMania weekend takeover. Maybe you have him win the title in a scenario like that, carry it for six, seven months, have him lose, then he enters the 2021 Royal Rumble, and it has the exact moment you're talking about, and you can still do long-term booking that way. If we were talking about WWE even a year ago or two years ago, that match is ends with Roman Reigns dumping Keith Lee, getting his revenge, and you never hear from it again. My hope is they don't go back to that just because I have a feeling that that's one of the scenarios where it's like, if that's the plan, you give Vince the opportunity at the last minute to say, actually, you know what, Roman, you're going to be the one who dumps him over. And I don't even want that to be a, a potential. The other thing we don't know is, yes, in past years, we have seen NXT superstars enter both Royal Rumbles, male and female, mostly to fill them out, though. This year, it's going to be curious to see, are they going to do 10 from each brand? Are there, I said, What are they going to do? I said a long time ago, I, I may have mentioned it once on this show during one of my appearances when I wasn't a regular member of the show here, is that everything in wrestling is inevitable. And I said one year, a debuting NXT superstar is going to win this thing. There's going to be someone that ha- just has enough, that is able to give them enough confidence to not only have them in the match, but win it. An NXT star is going to win that match. If everything is inevitable... What year do we see Brock Lesnar, Matt Riddle? Since it's inevitable. 
it is inevitable. It's going to happen because Paul Heyman. Paul Heyman is pre- he loses sleep at night. What year over do we? That. What no, year do does. we see it? I need the number. It's going to be at Mania. Sun, you know, you SummerSlam. Uh, no, SummerSlam 2020. That'd be a good match. Oh, you think this year? I think SummerSlam 2020 would be a good. In, so you're saying inside of 12 months we see Matt Riddle Brock Lesnar. I think he I think Yeah, he, simply because I I just here's what's going to happen. I don't see Matt Riddle winning the NXT title. And I see Matt Riddle going up to one of those shows, probably Rob I've said it before. The the the, the uh, what's the word I'm looking for? I'm drawing a blank here. But the like the, the want to see them Oh yeah. is going to be so heavy, but, they're just, they're just going to do it. Okay, so you're right about that, but that has been temporarily replaced by the want to see Matt Riddle Goldberg. I think I, who wants to see what everyone, everyone wants to see that. Garbage? Everyone wants to see it. I think, I think we're more likely to see Matt Riddle Goldberg at SummerSlam 2020. I will and I watch. think, and I think if WWE is smart and we always say that they actually save the Riddle Lesnar match for an actual retirement match. Now maybe it's, see, a, yeah. maybe it's a trilogy. Maybe it takes two, whatever the case but I do think they ultimately allow him to pay it off. And do you know why? Because there is so much material. WWE loves being able to tell the long-term stories. There are so many video clips and there's so many quotes. And I believe he has a shirt that has said it. There's there's pictures of it. That is a legitimate storyline. And I don't think they just give it away to Lesnar beating him. Now, maybe he does. And then a year later, he gets the rematch and does retire him. But I think you're talking like 2021, 2022. I think this is really long term with Riddle. And yeah, just to clarify, like I agree with that. I do. Like I, it, it, my ideal scenario is WrestleMania 37. Right. I say right. Okay. Where, wherever that ends up being, probably Las Vegas, L.A. or Vegas, yeah, L.A. or Vegas. But like let let them like do that. But I still just think like I just because I I cannot see Riddle getting that NXT title. So I think after the new year, they're just going to be like, all right, Paul, he's all yours. And it's just going to be they're just going to think it's too good to pass up. So that's why I could see them doing I could see it happening within the next 12 months. And if it were to happen, the only ideal place I could think of is SummerSlam. I could also see them doing the Riddle Lee tag team and have them beating Undisputed Era. There's, there's, I think there's things for both of them in NXT without being champion. But I also don't want that championship as much as I love Champa. I love Balor and Gargano. They can all exist in feuds without it. And I, I don't care about their size. I think it's great that guys of their size are succeeding at NXT at the main event level, at the championship level. But there is something to be said for a Keith Lee or a Matt Riddle, guys like hey, that holding that major title. There like is. I said, like I said last week, we all love Adam Cole. Adam Cole's great. Adam Cole made a case for wrestler of the year. Adam Cole has had the best month of any wrestler I could remember in recent memory. How dumb would it have looked to put him in the middle of Brock Lesnar and the fiend at survival? Oh, it Series? would have been horrible. And they, it would look stupid. They did a great job getting out of that. And they did a great job of having Pete done in that match to have a good match, but have him lose. Cause you knew, he, you know, I thought he actually, I did think he was going to win. But it was a guy who can take a loss, and it's going to give you a great match. So that was yeah. great. Uh, only I don't really know that there's that much else to talk about from NXT, but I think they're handling the Dakota Kai situation very well. I think they're handling Rhea Ripley very well. well where... there, there's another one. I have a question for you now. Sure. I'll flip it. the script a little bit. I got a question for you that really stuck in my head last night. I'm talking about Lee and Riddle are two guys that have to be, like we, we're calling it WWE proper now. Sure. 
do you put that women's title on Rhea even for a short time? Yeah, someone needs to be Shayna. Or do- someone, ha- someone has to be Shayna. Um, I think Shayna needs to be away from the horsewomen also. And I think Vince badly wants her on the main roster. Uh, I think the I main think, roster. I think the main roster needs Shayna Baszler. Not. I think. I, not. Not that she would be a good addition. Like Lacey was like, okay, she's a good addition. I think Shayna needs to be there, and I think they need her. They need more legitimate women. You know, the match we we all agreed was not good by any stretch. Not placing blame on anybody, but that Survivor Series main event was not good. Not good. Yeah. But to that point, while Becky and Bailey are established names, they showed a lot of faith. And Shayna Baszler to main event one of the big four pay-per-views and win the damn thing. And win it. Yep. That was really telling to say, okay, even though we got Becky and Bailey, we still got this NXT girl. Ah, eh, no, we can't. They said, no, roll with it. And I put think, her in there and put her over. And it was like, all right, yeah. So they And I think there are opportunities also with with Baszler and Rousey against Bailey and Banks or against Becky and Charlotte. I, I think there's a lot you can do with her. On the main roster, they look, here's the thing, and we're going to talk about it later in the show. We have a lot to get to, so we actually need to hurry up a little bit. But um, despite there being a lot of women on the main roster, let's say, uh, the, the proper shows, um, only a handful of them are believable champions, and it's a major, yeah. it's a major problem. So I'm going to talk about that a little bit later, but they need more believable champions, and I think Shanna Baszler is as believable. At, she's a Kevin Owens. She can come in. And challenge someone and win the title the first night, and you believe it. And it, yeah, absolutely. And there's very few. There's very few women. Rhea is another. Rhea is another one. Paige was one certainly. That I wouldn't mind them doing that again. Doing the page again uh, with her as champion, and then she has the match with Ripley and drops the title in NXT. Yeah, you could. I mean, like you said, the precedent's been set. Like Kevin Owens set a great precedent for these NXT guys. He yeah. really did with the whole Cena feud. Like that, it was great for them to get that out of the way and show that that is possible. Like you can do something like that because yeah, it's time for Shayna to get out of there. I mean, I know we're not, we're not calling it developmental anymore or referring it. It's a third brand up, but she's got to get out of there. Well, she's also just been champion forever and it is, she's doing a good job. Most of the people she's faced should not have beaten her, but it, it's kind of boring. And I want the women's division to kind of feel new. And I think with Dakota Kai, uh, back and with, um, Who's the one? Um, Tegan Knox back, and you have Mia Yim and Bel Air's not really. You got Candice. No, Bel Air's not really doing anything. Loaded. It is so loaded that you got to take her out of there and put her on the main roster. That's my take. Uh, All right, off of NXT, moving on to AEW. I thought NXT, by the way, was a great show on Wednesday. Oh, it's great. Great. It was. It was. It was a transit. Like, because I actually had to do. I did the recap for you last night. It it was. It wasn't. It was. it was a good show. Like they're, they're, it was a good show, but it was sort of a transitional. It was like a hype show because whatever they they decided a week before Christmas, because they know Christmas is going to be a wash. That episode, but the week before Christmas, we're going to give you guys like a takeover level right type show. So they used last night to set it up, and then they threw some nice little sprints in between. And, and they did a really good job saying, okay, next week on December eleventh, we're going to have number one contender matches and other matches that are going to set the stage. For all these huge matches that we're announcing two weeks from now, which is actually something AEW did not do. Now, they did book and kind of schedule big matches for the 18th, but they didn't really give us anything for next week. I don't know what's really happening next week that gets me to tune in, but I did think AEW two weeks ago, straight up, not good. This past week, back to normal, really good show. The point, the thing that I got to point out more than anything, and I, I have a feeling you're going to agree, is Chris Jericho. And... When we're talking about Adam Cole 
as potential wrestler of the year. Daniel Bryan certainly has a, a case in WWE. We've mentioned Cody, and we've also mentioned Chris Jericho. And it's not that he's been wrestling the best matches or wrestled a lot of matches because he really hasn't. But what Chris Jericho has been able to do on the mic is what I think people expected Moxley to do on the mic, except Moxley's really not. In fact, in my opinion, Moxley's been pretty damn boring on the mic. What has not been boring is Chris Jericho. Last week, uh, or, or I guess it was three weeks ago, the segment with Scorpio Sky where he talked himself into, he, you know, giving him a title shot. I thought that was genius. Uh, last week was extremely good. The I didn't love the appreciation celebration at the start of the show, but having Jericho kind of open the show on the mic, I found entertaining. But this week, the lexicon of Le Champion, the promo jack that I kind of don't know if every, I'm sure you picked up on it. I don't know if everyone picked up on it. It was a combination of his WWE list promo and his WCW armbar promo where he's reading through the names on the list, but every fifth name is Moxley, just like he would read through the 1,001 holds or whatever, or 10,001 holds, and every fifth hold was armbar. I have, I'm not going to say it was promo of the year. It's one of the most entertaining moments I've had watching wrestling this year. I was giggling and laughing, and I was just like, this is freaking genius. So we can talk about what happened with Jungle Boy and, and Jungle Express, uh, which, by the way, if you ever, ever made fun of uh, Viking Experience, you should be making fun of Jungle Express or Jurassic Express or whatever the hell name it is on an equal plane because it's a horrible name. But Chris Jericho, the last two weeks, uh, I thought he put himself in the talk for wrestler of the year. He, the man had one job to do. He was hired to do one job. Give this company credibility. Right. He has far exceeded his job description in, in my mind. He has went above and beyond what they hired him to do and paid him a large sum of money to do. I'm so, like, I know that he's getting paid a lot. He's exceeded his expectations, at least, at least in my mind, you know, not only is like, he's out there, he's doing so many things at once. If you think about it, you expect him to have these feuds with Cody, do it. You expect him to have these feuds with John Moxley, do it. But Chris, you're also here to put over the younger guys we're trying to get over. Okay. Who's the hottest at, who gets the biggest pops in AEW right now? Not Cody. When that Jurassic Express music hits, they get the biggest pops uh, of anyone. Uh, no, no, no. There's no uh, question. I think Cody gets a bigger pop, but it's close. No, no, no. It is close. They, when that music hits, Luchasaurus and his little boys get the biggest pops from these live crowds. They go bonkers for these guys. So you put Jericho in a segment with these guys. Then he says, all right, Marco, I'm not going to wrestle you. I'm not going to wrestle the dinosaur, but I'm going to wrestle Luke Perry's kid. By the way, so he, I'm going to give him – Sorry to interrupt. He also had a segment with MJF. Let's not forget. So he did it with MJF also. MJF to help put MJF over as the top heel they're trying to get him to be. Right. He's wrestled a match with Scorpio Sky, who was the one that we pegged to be a, a, the world champion for that company, down the road. And Chris said, here, I'll prove to you that he could be the champion down the road. He's all in on this. And I didn't think – it, 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 it could have been very easy for Chris to get tied up with this Jacksonville Jaguars money and just say, eh, look at this. I could just – Take a break. This dude is putting everything he has into this company. Well, I think there's a lot of benefits with AEW uh, and certainly having Chris Jericho as champion, as we said from the beginning, was always the right move. And and having him be a long, long-term long champion 
is also the right move. I do expect him to lose the title in semi-short order, I guess, early 2020. Maybe Probably like the, the big memorial day, whatever they call it, double or nothing too. Yeah, whether, whether it's then or whether it's even like March, right before WrestleMania to pop a big AEW headline. I don't I'm know. Still I think it's Kenny. Yeah, it could be Kenny. It could be Mox. I don't know really who it's going to be. I think they're giving us a lot of avenues, which is the entire point. But my point is having him be the first champion was genius. And he yeah. is living up to his promise, which he actually said in a recent interview. He's like, guys, we're nine weeks in. We're going to get other people over. That's the whole point of this. And I think they did a really nice job with Hangman Page having him lose. And he's going in through this depression angle. They had they gave Scorpio Sky a moment, which was a little bit of a surprise to some. I wasn't overly surprised by it. thought the match was great, by the way. Like, it was. B plus A minus. Really solid match. Yeah. Um, so I thought that gave him a lot of legitimacy. Now they're doing it with Jungle Boy. I thought that segment was great. His promo, I mean, it wasn't a promo. It was two lines. It was kind of weak. I, I wish it was a little stronger from him. Like, you know, had more umph behind it. Even his slap was a little bit weak. It was just. One I, thing I don't want AEW like that, to do. You know. While you bring that up and it's in my head because I was thinking about this as I was watching the show. One thing I don't want them to get too over-reliant on. Oh, man, he said ass. Oh, he said shit. Right, right. Whoa! Don't do that. Because if you're talented enough with your mic skills, you'll make it work. When Jericho said it, it was good. When Jungle, oh, when Jungle yeah. Boy, I was just like, that's not natural. It was, it was a little awkward. It was, kind of like, it was awkward. And, and so I just want them to kind of be, you're right, careful with that. Um, and the other thing I want to point out, just while we're talking about promos, because I don't have it listed to talk about, Backstage, they had the Janela Moxley promo, right? <laughs> I, and like, like it was that. great. No, I laughed. It was funny. Don't get me wrong. But that Moxley like interaction, that was I. I saw that. I saw Dean Ambrose. That was exactly no, what I, Dean Ambrose. No, does. because well, but Moxley also used to do that stuff too. It's easy. Like that was his attitude. I'm just and now. I'm just now simply saying. But but, but 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 it's good that you bring that up because you never watched John Moxley Correct. before Dean Ambrose. So now there's a confusion where where you say. Oh, that's Dean Ambrose. I'm like, well, Moxie, you want to know what was most? T- and I'm Joseph. I'm sorry if you hear this, but like my friend, you know what I didn't like particularly about that segment? Mm. It came, it came across as too obvious. And I think that because he was where he was before, you didn't really think about it. John Moxley is six foot five. Oh yeah. Yeah. 230, 40 some pounds. John Moxley is a big dude. And especially since he got hurt and started hitting the bench press. Remember he came back all yoked. Yeah. It's a big dude standing next to Joey. When it was like, it wasn't, oh, it wasn't boy. just standing next to Joey. He walked into the shot what? and, and was closer to the camera. So he appeared even bigger than yeah, he was Mox looked like a freaking giant. He and did. I was like, that's cool for him. But it's not a great. And I didn't really, and I didn't really know that about Joey. Not that he, I don't think he's small, but that he's not. I, I didn't ever think of him as small, and that I did have that thought there. In the match, I didn't so much. The match I thought was, you know, it, like I don't like. I, I always feel like when I'm critical of AEW, it's taken as me being critical of AEW versus the individual actual matches and things that, which is all I'm really yeah. doing. I didn't really like the main event. Um, I get it. I understand who Joey Janelle is. I understand who John Moxley is. I know they're not going to have a chain wrestling match. I don't know to close that show going up against the six man tag, which was freaking fire on NXT. I don't know if that was the right decision. 
I think AEW, like you know, they're not stupid. That's one thing we'll give them the credit. Like, they're 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 not stupid. Obviously, every part, they've they've made genius moves to this point because they had to be careful if they're going to come up as a, a major player. Um, I think they're they're just getting good reviews on these Moxley death match. So, but that's yeah, not so much. Well, harder Chris, core harder core matches. Well, I don't know. Did you see the Chris Cruz snitch to the Maryland State Athletic Commission? I did see that. Um, shame on them. Come on, and... man. Look, they're not going to kick AEW out. Of I mean, now. Chris Cruz has been a prop. Like he's been a loud mouth for years since WCW for, went on there. For those calling the cops on the for for on those now. that don't know, just to clarify what Jack is saying, AEW got reported to the Maryland Athletic Board, I guess, for the death match for it breaking state laws, and it probably did, honestly, in some ways. But they got but reported. They have this history of letting yeah. just, just you know do your thing. You, don't be too stupid about it. And they were too stupid. Right. No one gets hurt. It. No one gets hurt or killed. Nothing <laughs> happens. Is generally it's you, you look you turn a blind eye to it. And but back to the point. They but they I reported. think that they're just getting good reviews from the fan base. Like they're getting they're just getting good feedback on these. So they're going to keep going with them regardless. No, I agree. I, it just and maybe having Mo, maybe just having Moxley's face in that main event is enough because he's so recognizable. Yeah. I don't know. Also, uh, dudes in the crowd with the AW greater than WWE. Come on, like it's all great. It's all it's great all great. Right it's now. all great right now. And and raw, and raw. And this is the last thing. I'm not even going to say it, really, because NXT was great. I thought NXT was better this week. <laughs> I, I kind of think Raw had another case to be the best show of the last few days, and I don't think there's anything wrong with saying that. Like I feel dirty saying it, but Raw was freaking good, man. Like three hours of Raw, pretty damn good. NXT was probably the best, but. It was pretty close. Um, uh, a couple more AEW things. Cody promo I thought was fantastic. Taking off the watch, taking off the Louboutins, the whole deal. Thought it was great. On the other end, uh, the MJF last week the and the diamond ring gimmick I think are horrible. I have no concept of why it matters other than him telling me it's worth a lot of money. What does it mean? What benefit does it give you? It's not a number one contendership. I think it's a horrible booking. You, I wish BC was here to defend this because we like uh, maybe he wouldn't. I, I'm you he know I'm just, but he, he might would. have a defense for it. Uh, of I I don't I love AEW. It's my favorite. It really is. Like BC and I talk about it all AEW the time. It's, is our, your it's favorite, our favorite. AEW is your favorite over NXT. Yeah, yeah. AEW is my favorite That's over shocking. NXT. AEW is my favorite. My favorite show of the week. Shocking. Um, shocking. but it, it it still has nostalgia feels for BC and I of the of just something completely different. But anyway. Of not as good wrestling, but the ring, I just like. So what's the point here? Like, are, are you you're just flaunting a forty five thousand dollar ring? Does it get defended? If all right, and if it gets defended, why the in the hell did you just not make a mid card title? You have enough talent for a mid card title. Why didn't you just give me a TV title? Why didn't? You, what, what's the point of this? But, so now MJF, especially his promo last night, is just like this forty five thousand dollar ring. I was like MJF Maxwell, great promo as usual. But what the hell is the purpose of that ring? And it, like Cody's ring of honor made such sense. And it was smart because it, yes, it, yeah. it played off the name of the organization. And if you wanted to say that anyone who holds this ring is the number one contender or gets a match of their choice at any time against any opponent, there are things cool. you can do to make that ring mean something. And maybe that person is the winner. It's a king of the ring type of situation where that person holds a certain esteem every year and is booked stronger or whatever the case, but it has zero meaning. They gave it to a guy who didn't need it. And it's just like, like the, like I said, the Cody promo on Wednesday was fantastic. I no. loved the Cody promo. Um, I thought, by the way, 
a lot of it rang as Vince McMahon light, like taking money out and giving it to someone in the crowd. And that was very Vince McMahon to me. Um, I thought that was pretty strange coming from Cody that he kind of had some of those, you know, tendencies there. Uh, but I thought the promo was fantastic. And then I was like, oh, this is all for MJF. And I was like, yeah, that makes sense. But I kind of don't care because even though MJF is saying he'll never fight him, it's wrestling and we know he will. So may, may I make another point about the ring, though, to the ties into what we're talking about? Sure. That I really didn't get. Like I said, my thing was a mid-card title. You know, just do a mid-card title instead. We already have this thing where Cody can't challenge for the world title. Cody is your first mid-card champion. Because what was Dusty famous for in the NWA? He was famous for when the TV title or the U.S. title needed a boost, he slapped it on himself. Yeah. That's w- what he did. WWE Dusty, did that all the time. Especially but- the TV title. Dusty would just throw it on himself, pick a, a mid-card guy to feud with, and give it credibility and give that a good program. You could have done this here with Cody and MJF, have Cody be, I don't know, their, their U.S. champion or whatever you want to call it. Slap the title. Cody say, ha, all right, I can't be the world champion, but win a tournament or so. I'm the first AEW TV champion. And then you already give it credibility and you got a built-in feud with MJF for that title. I just, it doesn't it, make any it, sense to it, me. It's actually one of the few wrestling tropes that's really good because WWE did it with John Cena and the United States Championship. They, yeah. they did it with Roman Reigns and the Intercontinental. They also did it with Daniel Bryan, I think, and the Intercontinental. So it is a va- – they're doing it right now with Nakamura. They're going to put someone over with that title. I think it's going to be Ali or Gable. And, like, it's going to be pretty awesome when Nakamura loses that title. So yeah. so it is a successful trope, but you got to have the title to do it. Or you have to make the ring mean something where Cody kind of is saying, look – not only do I want to fight you, I want to take the only thing that means anything to you, yeah. that ring, and I'll put up all this stuff. So they're not even doing that. So it's just, it was a great promo, man. And and Cody, I'm telling you, as someone who has been as critical as anyone about Cody over the last two years, he is on my shortlist for wrestler of the year. I He, he won me over, period. That's it. This promo was great. But the storyline isn't. And it's just kind of really bugging me. Uh, before we get off AEW, I want to talk about the factions slash groups that we have. Mm. Uh, Inner Circle exists, going well, cool. Great. Elite exists. I think it's kind of annoying, honestly. I think uh, the Young Bucks begging the crowd to chant for the Elite is really weird. Uh, But whatever. Elite exists. We have three others now. We have the Dark Order, the Nightmare Collective, which is what I really want to talk about, and Butcher, Blade, and Bunny. I'm going to give – I'm going to go back to Frontier, um, which, you know, you're not supposed to do. Uh, but um, Butcher, Blade, and Bunny, I love it. Like, this may shock you, but obviously two weeks ago, had no idea who Butcher and Blade were. I think a lot of people didn't know who they were. Um, Bunny, obviously, is Allie, who, who to me was nobody, really. But their promo on Wednesday night, her promo, I should say, on Wednesday night, vignette, I think it's, I don't even know how to couch it properly. It's one of the best women's promos I've heard all year. She nailed that she gave me reason to care about them she gave me reason to think that they matter they have a direction they're going specifically after cody the head of the snake i kind of get some vibes where maybe marty scroll is part of this group and maybe he's also the leader with them because he's going to go after cody for not including him in the transition to AEW. even though obviously in real life he was under contract to ring of honor but i loved that so real quick here were zero butcher blade and bunny Hero, but again, I, I know it because I'm 
I'm weird as hell. I know who they are. I knew who they were, but that was my problem too. No one else knew who the, who the hell. But, they but were. I'm saying last week. I, I'm saying last week was bad. This week I think was good. This week I think was good, but they're going in reverse. It's like especially with the Dark Order. They're like, here's these people. Who the hell are they? All right, we're gonna tell you who they are. No, 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 no. Tell us who they are first, then show them to us. Well, but you guys are gonna like Pepper and Andy, especially Andy. I God forgive me. He's a lead guitarist in a band. Tell them who. Tell them who who each person is. Pepper Parks is actually Braxton Sutter. That's Allie's husband. Who is okay, so now? Pepper is Allie's husband. Who is now? The Bunny. No, Wait. The Blade. Yeah. I was trying to the get bl- you to tell because yeah. they don't know. I don't know either. So All right. The, yeah, yeah. the Blade is Pepper Parks. Just because you know stuff. The listeners don't. I don't. Yeah. So you have to explain All right. it. Okay. All, right. All right. I see what we're doing. Yeah. yeah. And then the, the, so the Blade, that's Pepper Parks. You might know him from TNA as Braxton Sutter. And that's Ali's, he, long, he was Ali's, character. Allie's real life husband. Allie's real life husband, which that's pretty cool. Always cool when you get to see sure. that they work together. Sure. Andy Williams. You'll like Andy. Andy has a unique look, like you could see, which helps the uh, this day and age. The Andy butcher. has a unique look. The butcher. He's a bruiser. He's very good in the ring, very athletic. When these guys get going, you're really going to like them. And to on the point of Allie, I have, I've always loved Allie. Allie, but Allie is a great television character, not necessarily a five-star wrestler. That's fine. So AEW has found a way. To say, okay, here's a big name we signed. Because she was a big name when she signed. Allie. They found a way to make her relevant to the upper mid-card for right now. With her husband and, and and Andy. And these guys, once they get rolling, I have high hopes for them. I really do. Like, they're they're going to be entertaining. I think it is. I, I just thought it was I, was. I was so shocked. I saw them on my screen and I was like, this is going to suck. And I was like, oh, wow. She killed that. Yep. murdered that. I, I just, I was totally impressed. I think there's something there. You mentioned Dark Order. Here's the <laughs> thing. Uh, I, I think it was a, ra- it's it's not an uncommon opinion that the Dark Order up until a couple of weeks ago was absolute trash. I, 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 or, or maybe not absolute trash. I thought it was absolute trash. A lot of people just didn't like the gimmick, okay? Um, I am of the belief that the vignettes, the stuff they're doing about joining the Dark Order, the stuff they did Wednesday night, um, they're also doing some social media interaction as well. They're giving this group a purpose and a reason. I yes. still do not really like them in the ring from all the matches I've seen. I don't like the look of it, the stupid masks and all the stuff they're doing. Uh, Evil Uno just doesn't really do anything for me. But the actual booking of it now, them giving them a reason to exist in a storyline and thinking of them more than just like gimps. Um, is actually something I'm buying into. And I think it's one of the best things AEW has done so far from a character development standpoint. Yeah. I mean, I'll clarify here. I hate the dark order gimmick. Hate, hate it. I should say, cause I'll explain it in a second, but what pissed me off the most is that Stu and Uno are great wrestlers. So you saddle them with this thing that is just God awful. It takes away from their ability in the ring, which sucks real quick. You but, said, you said saddle them. Don't forget talent has a huge input, especially in AEW. I believe this is their idea. Also, it was also I will give AEW some sort of credit on this. It was very tough to transition from the Super Smash Brothers, which you couldn't do. Right. To having to rename them so you don't get your asses sued. So I get that part of it. But AEW with the Dark Order, what they're doing so far, where I'm going to take a step back, is that they're doing what they promised in that they said, we are going to listen to the fans. We're going to do what WWE does not do a lot. We're going to listen to the fans. 
for the first few weeks of Dark Order, we said, hey, Cody, this sucks. Hey, Cody, this is terrible. So they said, okay, we're going to, sorry, guys, we're going to take a step back. What do you want? And we screamed, why are these guys so weird? You're not telling us. So they took a step back and said, all right, all right okay, we're sorry. Here, we're going to tell you why they're so weird. And I appreciate that from them. What I want them to do is give them a reimagining. A, a little bit of a different look. The masks, again, are kind of weird. You also have with Butcher, I believe, from the Butcher Blade and Bunny, a, a, a similar gimpy type of leather mask. He doesn't need it. Take the freaking mask yeah, off him. Yeah, Blade, Pepper, yeah. Give him something different. He does not need a mask. It doesn't make any sense. Um, I love the monocle on, on the Butcher, by the way. That, that's, that's <laughs> he's hysterical. so And he's so cool. That, that's hysterical. But, uh, but do something different with the masks. I'm not saying you have to get rid of them. Make them cooler. Make them more modern um they just look like they were bought from a costume shop and it's just kind of like uh, the dark order seems cool now like it seems like a cult right so make them cool make them more ministry of darkness and less goofy undertaker with paul bearer you know what i mean make it more real that's what we're supposed to want from AEW. so that's that out of the way um the last one to talk about uh i'm just gonna preface it zero point Zero. Uh, the Nightmare Collective. The Straight Edge Society. Block at zero. Straight Edge Society. Uh, <laughs> I, sorry, we I... we saw Serena Deeb. All right, we'll get to Serena Deeb in a second, even though it wasn't actually her. Uh, look, I don't know like the way to put it because I don't want to be insulting, right? But nothing Brandy's doing is working at all. Nope. I think that her promo delivery was fine in that she can articulate. She can speak well. Um, some of it was okay in terms of the concept, but it doesn't make any sense for the Nightmare family, which is her and Cody, I guess Dustin also, but uh, the executives of the company. She's an executive of the company. It doesn't make much sense for her to create something called the Nightmare Collective, which has no clear direction, is basically just her and Awesome Kong, and it seems like they're going to recruit women into a women's faction. And my biggest issue with it was this woman, Chris Statlander, who is recently signed to AEW, was one of the biggest biggest female free agents out there, had a very good first match and a loss, a tag team loss, and then debuts in her either first singles match or biggest singles match, I think biggest singles match, on AEW, and beats the woman who the entire match they're putting over as the number one contender for Rio's women's title. By the way, Rio women's champion has not been on the show in like five weeks. That's another. She's story. in Japan right now. I understand now. She's, she's on Star. She's, contracted to she's be in Japan, on Star Stardom doing a tour. I understand. She's the women's champ. She hasn't been there in five weeks. Put the title. They put a should have put the title on someone else then. Um, but but uh, I digress. So go, coming back to this. So Statlander has this huge moment, and I don't love the alien gimmick. Whatever. Another topic for another day. She has this huge moment where she beats the number one contender. They're putting her over. They bring out the Nightmare Collective to confront her. Okay, I'm fine with that because Awesome Kong is a big personality. Brandy's a big name. It got a reaction from the crowd. Cool. But then, right in the middle of a confrontation between Awesome Kong and Statlander, they have this woman from the crowd screaming, hey, I want to submit. I want to be part of the Nightmare Collective. And Statlander just disappears while they shave this woman's head over the commercial break. And then they send a picture on Twitter. And it's basically exactly the straight edge society serena deeb where she shaved her head and was part of that group with cm punk none of it really worked for me the 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 connecting it to the nightmare family and calling it the nightmare collective doesn't make sense 
I don't understand why. I mean, look, we listen. We know how we feel about Brandy. I, I didn't see a reason for her to disrobe suddenly as she was getting into the ring. <laughs> I didn't get any of it. It was a massive zero for me, Jack. How do you feel? Oh. Tell me something that I said that was either wrong. How do I talk about my stages of emotion? Or that here? you can find redeeming out of it. Give me Chris something. Statlander is a home run and they found something. Like, you know, I said it a few weeks ago. They were doing trial and error on TV because they don't have an NXT type place to figure this out. And you, the trial and error with Statlander, they got a star on their hands. Boom. Perfect. They went the extra mile last night to make her look like the star that she should be. And then they ruined it. And I mean, when I say I was pissed, I was like, when she got that win and the lights immediately went out and here comes Brandy and Kong, I was just pissed. So, I don't know. It's just, and all these cult groups too. You said you said before, cult? Yeah, there's three it of them. It feels like we got, we got a little too many of them. Yeah. And, People aren't going to like hearing me say this, probably, especially AEW fans. This is where maybe letting the inmates run the asylum hurts. It's a little lazy booking. It's it's. This is where lazy. you need maybe a voice, a good creative, a good not Hollywood writers like WWE has, but a good creative voice to say, "Hey guys, um, we got too many. Here. You can't do that. Let's not do that." Like butcher, but, like butcher blade and bunny does not need to be dark, but they are, no. but they wear all black. So it's like, ugh. Dark Order, yeah. group wearing all black, Nightmare yeah, Collective, no. which is in like maroon and black. And it's just like. Plus, last thing I'll say, I don't need Brandy Rhodes on my TV. I'm sorry. I said it when she made herself chief brand officer when they started the yeah, company. Yeah, yeah. I said, I said, Brandy, do me one favor. Do not be a character. I don't mind. What mi- the hell did she do? I don't mind her, obviously, with Cody. I don't. Especially, especially when he turns heel. I don't mind her in a manager role for Awesome Kong. I mind her as a front for a faction. It's just she's doing, she's coming across all Brandy, one job. Don't look like you're trying to push yourself as a superstar. And God, that's what you're doing. Yeah, it's a little too much. Um, And I don't have the sound drop, you know, but the come on, (laughs) come on, Brandy thing definitely fits here. Jack, uh, we have gone on decently long here. But before we get out, I do want to get into a segment that we haven't had in a while. It's called Hero Zero. So we're going to start off here with Zero talking WWE backstage and the announcement this week that WWE has signed John Morrison. That's cool. I think we all shaman sexy. Awesome. Johnny Mundo, ready to see him again. Great. Uh, the Hero Zero part comes on them announcing the signing on WWE backstage. So here's the thing. I get that WWE wants to make backstage a thing. And they want to make the news of backstage so that you have a reason to watch every week and watch Ryan Satin's segment. They want it to be a thing. Here's my issue with it. And this is nothing against Satin whatsoever as a person or a reporter outside of the WWE scope. But they're trying to make Satin into Ariel Hawane with the UFC Tonight Show, which is what this replaced for Fox. And I said this last week, I think. Uh, The difference was that Dana hated Ariel and didn't want Ariel reporting any news. And Ariel 
actually broke his own news. I'm not saying Ryan doesn't. Ryan does break his own news often. But on WWE backstage, he's not. He's breaking news that is obviously being fed to him from WWE. And that's okay. This is a scripted product, and there's nothing wrong with that whatsoever. But you have to really pick and choose which news items you're going to allow him to break and which ones you're going to keep for your audience. I don't think it's the end of the world that WWE announced re-signing John Morrison because it had already leaked. And there was an anticipation, even though Morrison denied it, everyone knew it was true and he was denying it on purpose. So because of that, if they wanted to announce it and save that for a big moment, break some news, and they're going to save his debut for a couple months and it's going to be a surprise, not at the Rumble, maybe it's going to be an interference somewhere or a new tag team or whatever the case, I'm fine with it as long as we have time to forget about it. But if they sign, example, Marty Skrull, which they're not going to, don't you dare freaking announce it on backstage and blow debuts on your television, your main shows. Fox may be paying you a little bit of money for backstage. They're paying you a lot of money for SmackDown on Fox. Those are the ratings you need to pop. So I'm glad this show is getting traction. I think WWE backstage is one of the best new things that the company has done in quite some time. I don't particularly love Christian on it. The other three are great. When Joe is on there, um, when they've had other guests, you know, for interviews, CM Punk, certainly I'm excited next week. He's back. That's going to be great. Backstage is a hero. This I'm going to give a zero because of the concept, not so much the execution. The execution was fine. The concept of them breaking this kind of news, not contract re-signings, not stuff like that. This kind of news on backstage is a zero. The guy's been gone for eight years. It, like, the, yes, I, I get it. You want to break some news on there? Fine. Not John Morrison, who's been gone for, which is, are you, an eight-year absence is unique, especially for a guy who's a former multi-time Intercontinental Champion, tag team champion. He was a good upper mid-card star. And that's how you break the news? You kidding me? And it's not like this, like it was leaked a week ago, where they're then, oh my God, Meltzer broke this. All right, fine, let's just say it on TV. Yeah, on yeah, TV. yeah. This was months ago. So I kind of, I didn't forget about Morrison, but if he popped up on TV Tuesday or Friday or Monday or Friday, I would have been like, oh my God, that, that's awesome. And he, he would have gotten a reaction from the crowd. He was out of my I, consciousness. Yes, I know after eight years, there's some people who might not know him. Now, last point on Morrison, I think John Morrison fits better in 2019 WWE, 2020 WWE than he did in 2011 WWE. He does. I honestly believe that. He's good. He's good. He's going to do some things. I do too. And I honestly would not hate a Miz and Morrison tag team. Uh, bring him that you back. have to. I'm sorry, folks. You have to bring him back when you when he does come back. You have to do something with Miz. You, you have to surprise Miz, or you got to do it. Almost, then, almost like his guest for Miz TV is uh, Braun Strowman, and instead his music hits, and Miz is yeah, fa- you get Miz's to. face in the ring or something. But you're right. You got to do something like that. Uh, Jack, second hero on Hero Zero. So after firing Jim Cornette, following a distasteful on-air comment on a taped show that still somehow made it to air and Cornette refusing to apologize for that comment. NWA this week basically released the video thanking him for his time uh, and his effort in revitalizing the company. So here were zero that they went ahead and gave a thank you to someone that they just fired. That's it. Congratulations, NWA. You lost a viewer. I hope you're happy. Dave Lagana, Billy Corgan. I hope you're happy. You lost a long time. Someone who grew up on the NWA that you had on this show fawning over you, me and BC. You lost a viewer. Congratulations. Why? How tone deaf do you have to be? 
How stupid do you have to be to do something like that? The man was fired for a racist remark. And you take the time, you take your social media energy to put out a thank you? So let me ask you this. I did not see this week's NWA. But on this week's show, was there a pre-taped thing with Cornette there and the Rock and Roll Express or something like that? No, the Rock and Roll Express won the tag team titles. And what they did when they taped the show yeah. uh, a few months ago was, I, which made sense. I mean, it made sense. It probably would have been cool if Cornette didn't go all racist. Was <laughs> that Cornette, the longtime rival of Ricky and Robert, yeah, yeah. flew from the commentary table. He was so excited. And he went and he celebrated with Ricky and Robert. They did they not. Ed- so they did not put the- that out. They had to edit the holy hell out of that. They still kept Cornette it, like you'd see the back of his head when they cut to the ring, but they had to edit the hell out of it. So my only thought is, I think I think doing a thank you was wrong, clearly, okay? But I feel like maybe they thought they needed to address it because fans saw him on the broadcast and knew it was him and knew he was fired. So how do you then go about not Which mentioning fine. that he's on there. So I think their intentions were to not treat their fans as fools by mentioning, hey, you know, Cornette was there for this moment. It was a special moment, but we had to cut it from the show, which is what they should have said. Instead, they said thank you to him. So I'm yep. certainly not giving it a hero. It is a zero. Yep. But I'm kind of just like, I think their intentions were okay. Now, okay, my emotion, may I just, now that he's gone, will I kind of cool down? Because it has only been a few days. Will I cool down and maybe tune into YouTube next Tuesday? And it, maybe I will. Like, you got to give you me will. some time to calm down a little bit. You'll watch it. But, you no, know, a statement was fine. But, like, the man just died and they're, like, giving him this grand eulogy. Like, get the hell out of here. Yeah, no, I'm with you on that. Uh, on Raw, we're going to finish up uh, Heroes here with two different women's questions. On Raw, we have the Kabuki Warriors this week that had a... I mean, some people said they didn't like it. I don't know where they're coming from. A fantastic handicap match against Charlotte Flair. Um, Charlotte had some really good offense in the match, but worked from under for the vast majority because it was two on one. And they had Kyrie Sane, diminutive Kyrie Sane, by the way, in Io Shirai leather pants, pin Charlotte Flair clean after the insane elbow that came as Flair was giving the uh, figure eight to Asuka and she was prone and, and that gave Kyrie Sane the opening to hit the insane elbow. So the, the hero zero question is whether they are booking uh, Charlotte Flair and the Kabuki warriors properly on raw. If, if it's as good as people say it is. And my answer is it's a hero because straight up what they are doing with the Kabuki warriors is genius. Um, they gave Asuka a different dimension to her character. They allowed Asuka to beat Charlotte using the mist, which Asuka had said previously is something she might break out if she struggles beating an opponent and there's only one opponent who she has struggled beating. And that opponent is Charlotte Flair. She had never beaten her before. So you have Charlotte. So you have Asuka pinning Charlotte Flair two weeks ago. Then you have Kyrie Sane pinning Charlotte Flair this week. Granted, again, in a handicap match, but Charlotte Flair is your Roman Reigns. She's the person that gets overly pushed, right? And we talk about them rehabbing Roman and everything they're doing well in allowing Roman to take pinfalls and let other people get over in multi-man matches. Well, guess what? They're doing the same thing with Charlotte Flair. She's losing matches as a face and fans are cheering for her. They cheered for Charlotte over the smart favorites of Kyrie Sane and Asuka in a clear heel versus face match. They're getting her over as a face. This is a massive hero for me, both for the Kabuki Warriors 
and for Charlotte Flair. What about you? Hero. I, I love it, too. You know, two things. I told my wife the other night as we were watching, I said, you know what asking Kyrie Kyrie remind me of? And I think why I like it so much. You know, you read those weird, quirky news stories about the mother-daughter criminal duo. Yeah, it's like they, that's what they seem like, like just the and Kyrie's the petulant little child that's just laughing in the background while mom's the evil. But you know what the underrated part of Rob was for me out of everything you talked about, like the match. All right. Maybe a little couple minutes too long for my taste, maybe in a two on one situation. But that's just logic. It, it happens. But you know what I did like speaking of logic afterwards? What really stood out to me was when they went up, when Charlie went up to Charlotte, said, do you regret this match? And she said, no, but because how that came across to me was Charlotte saying, I knew I was going to lose. I'm not stupid, but she did it for a reason. Now you're wondering, all right, Charlotte knew she was going to lose this match. So why did she do this? Yeah. But she, cause she just simply said, no, I don't regret it. And walked away. It's also really smart. that They've kept Becky Lynch off of TV for the last two weeks completely because fondness a makes a heart grow fonder. So when Becky comes back this week, which she's going to come back next week, it's going to be great. She's going to get a great response. She's probably yeah. going to save Charlotte. It does seem like they're building a women's tag team title match uh, for TLC with the Kabuki Warriors against Charlotte and Becky, which means no women's title match, which, again, I'm fine with. Um, as long as they don't change the titles there, I think it's really good booking. It's a great way to get the top four women on your on your show all involved in one feud. Yeah. When we did the, the mock draft, Jack and I were on one team. I believe we drafted – what did we – didn't we draft Becky Lynch, Asuka – and Kyrie yeah. saying all on our team. This is what we, we want. Yeah. This is exactly what we wanted. So I think it's an absolute <laughs> hero. The other part, uh, last part of heroes here, we're going to do a four parter today. Uh, over on SmackDown, Lacey Evans as a face has stepped in as the new number one contender. It seems for Bailey SmackDown women's championship. So we'll get to the details here, but very simply hero is zero. Hero, I'm okay with it because Lacey is still young enough in her career where you can, again, trial and error. You can, you can, you can toy with some things. All right. And even now we're, we're pushing the, the better part of a year now with the heel thing and the sassy Southern bell. You, you can try now to, I mean, hell you brought this woman out and put her in a feud with the top women star to begin with. Like you blew that off right off the bat. So you, you have some room to toy with this and see if it hits with the crowd. She was getting some chance. She was. Uh, before I go on, though, I mentioned Kyrie Sane with the EO Shry Pants. Uh, Bailey. EO Shry Pants as well. Uh, they are making a full, I don't know, somehow these pants went from NXT to Raw to SmackDown. They're just <laughs> getting traded around. It's the sister to the traveling EO Shry Pants, but it, it's working out pretty well. Um, this is a total zero for me. First of all, she was such a heel that making her face without any explanation doesn't make any sense. Her punching banks in the face is just like, okay, whatever. I personally just believe the SmackDown women's booking is insanely lazy. Bailey and Banks gave the same promo that Seth Rollins did, chastising the roster. It was copy and paste, basically. Um, I still don't understand why Sasha Banks, this new badass character with a new badass theme, has come out and is just siding by her friend who's the champion. I know they're both heels. But she's now the blueprint. She talks about money and and how all this stuff matters. It doesn't make any sense to me how she's a sidekick again for Bailey, just like she was a sidekick for Bailey before. Where if you're gonna have one of them be the sidekick for the other, it should really be the other way around. Banks is the dominant personality. It just is mind boggling to me. And then you have you insert Lacey Evans here. There are so Raw actually has a dearth of women singles competitors. SmackDown doesn't. You have Nikki Cross who could have a match. Rose or Deville. Carmella, 
Dana Brooke, put her in a feud. Just see what happens. Like, it's a throwaway pay-per-view anyway. You know you're not going to change the title with Bailey. So give someone else an opportunity. I don't get why they're doing any of that. And then when I'm talking about the weak booking, you have Nikki Cross in a feud with Mandy Rose and Sonya Deville, again, getting crapped on for her looks. We already did this. I like that Alexa Bliss is back. That was cool. But like, it's just the same and it's boring. And at least on Raw, they're doing something different. It goes to kind of show that SmackDown is the B show as much as they want it to be the A show because in my opinion, Jack, they can't figure out this women's division. It, it also doesn't surprise me that it, but it, well, it didn't surprise me. I should say that they did this with Lacey simply because from day one, Vince has had her pegged as the future face of the division. So sooner or later, this was going to happen. Yeah. And it just so happened that it was the sooner getting us out here. Something else we haven't done in a long time. Our feel spots, Jack, what was your feel spot of the week? Our Celtic warrior is back to save us. Look, folks, I, I love Seamus. I mean, when I say I popped on Friday, I got up off the couch when they surprised us with that vignette and the old hair and the attitude. I, I am hyped about this because, number one, I'm happy for the person because we thought he was done. We thought that spinal stenosis took him. And now all the and kudos to WWE for keeping this a secret. I didn't see a word about Sheamus coming back. Uh, he was backstage at Survivor Series. People were talking about it. but Backstage? That's okay. Of course. You, a guy visits a big four pay-per-view just, in a big city. Fine. Just saying. Just saying. But he shows up, and I'm hyped about I love Sheamus. I'm sorry. He was one of those guys, and this happens to me. It happened to me with John C. Yeah, you complain about guys they shove down your throats. But eventually, you look back, and you think to yourself, you know what? God, damn. That guy was pretty freaking good. Yeah. That guy had some good... Oh, you start to appreciate them. I'm ready for a Sheamus run. Give me it. I'm all in. Good look, good promo, good in the ring. Sheamus is one of those guys who you want back. And yes. I think a lot of us, especially when we saw Cesaro immediately start continue wrestling without Sheamus, we thought, well, they're not going to do that. If Sheamus is coming back, they'll keep him as a tag team. I like that they're separate. There's an opportunity for them to rejoin down the line on a future draft. They can still have another tag team run again. That's going to be great. Um, you know, Cesaro's kind of in this weird area without him, which is unfortunate, but look, the promo skills hurt with Cesaro. Sheamus. It's really good. Even, even the way Sheamus dismissed the feed, he's like, we got a fiend running around yeah. here. Like it, the, the promo, badass. the promo was fantastic. The, the red lighting in the back and him basically saying SmackDown will be mine. There's not a lot of guys on SmackDown right now that again, that you can really believe are going to be world champion. And he's one of them now. So that was great. Also Elias back, which is, and I'm glad they didn't just shove him down our throats right in the middle of a ring with a, a strum. They're kind of doing the the drifter stuff backstage again. I really like that with Elias. Let's build him slowly. and Also yeah. a little baby faceish. It seemed baby face. And that's okay because they have some heels on there. Yeah. And we don't need Elias with Corbin again. So like, no, no, let's, no. let's just keep them apart. Uh, my feel spot this week is this Batista Dana Brooke yeah. uh, social media romance. Um, <laughs> it is the best storyline going in WWE and it's not even going in WWE. I, they did ask Dana Brooke about it uh, on a backstage like Twitter video. And she gave a really like cute kind of answer and discussion about it. They covered it on backstage where if you did not watch backstage and you don't even know what I'm talking about, rather than go seek out the tweets, just go find the clip on backstage. Uh, it's on their WWE on Fox Twitter account about this Twitter romance, but long story short, uh, Dana Brooke kind of put some feelers out for Batista and it seems like he's answering them. It seems a little strange. It's all happening in public. Um, it kind of makes you think something's actually either going on or they're just completely playing either way, but I want it to happen. 
Dana, uh, I'm not sure if everyone is aware, has had some rough stuff happen in her love life where she actually had a longtime boyfriend die from choking on food. Uh, and then she was dating Enos Cantor and they broke up. So, I didn't even know they broke That's what weirded me out about yeah, this at first. So, I didn't know they broke up. So a lot of stuff's been happening with her. But uh, look, I don't know if it's real. Uh, but <laughs> man, do I want it to be real because it is freaking hilarious and awesome. And they're both having a good time with it. So real huge shout out to Dana Brooke. Uh, that is our show for this week, Jack. Big show. We had a lot to cover. I was trying to get us in and out in 90 minutes, but look, we had they, four. Come on now. We had, well, no, but we had four episodes. We had two episodes of NXT and yeah. two episodes of AEW to cover. This is what happens uh, when you delay the State of Combat podcast, usually with Brian Campbell. In this Campbell podcast. This week with the Silver King and Jack Crosby. Find us on Twitter at State of Combat, at Silverstein Adam, at J Crosby CBS. Find our wrestling coverage on our website, cbsports.com slash WWE. BC will be back next week. And going forward, we have our wrestling awards for the year of our Lord 2019 coming out by the end of the month. We'll be voting on those coming up with some categories as per usual. Uh, Sorry, no DM slides this week. We just kind of had a lot to get through. I didn't want to solicit anything. And honestly, you guys didn't tweet us too much. At least the, you know, coming out of the shows with legitimate questions. Usually I try to factor some of them in, but hey, Guys, don't forget, Mount Rushmore change is coming up in April. you got to start playing that game as well. So, for Blackjack Crosby, for the Silver King, Adam Silverstein, myself, I say adieu, and we go out when the Silver King runs the show. You know how we go out, with the full Randy Savage. Elizabeth, come on out here, man. We got something going that's really big, don't we? Yeah. Look in the video scope right now and tell them about Macho Madness. Tell them how strong it is and tell them where we're going. Yeah. We into the twilight zone. Yeah. And Hulk Hogan's got no chance, does he? No, no. he doesn't. Does anybody have a chance against the Macho Man Randy Savage? Am I the greatest wrestler past, present, and future that ever lived? Yes, you are. Okay, now say goodbye. Goodbye. Say goodbye. Goodbye. Okay, now get out of here. Oh, that's right a little now. rough, Randy. No, yeah, but it is rough. Yeah, wrestling is a rough sport. And I am the roughest one in the sport. I am the number one wrestler in the world today. Tell Hulk Hogan that. Tell I Peter will. Uh, thank you, Randy Savage. Welcome back, Mauro Ronaldo. We have.